0: Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to
1: blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk.
2: To Madison, Wisconsin now, where Outcry continues over the shooting of Tony Robinson. The unarmed biracial man was killed by a white police officer last week, and protesters say that officer should be charged. Overall, public response to the shooting in Madison has been peaceful, a striking difference from what happened in Ferguson last summer. But there is this similarity. Many in Madison say stark racial disparities played a role in Robinson's death. Gilman Halstead of Wisconsin Public Radio reports.
3: Madison, Wisconsin is not Ferguson, Missouri. African-Americans make up only 8% of the 250,000 people who live in this Midwestern university town. Ferguson has only 20,000 residents. Blacks make up two-thirds of that population. Reverend Alex G grew up in Madison, and his congregation is largely African-American. He says the shooting is a realization of one of his worst fears. It's, it's crazy. It's like a hurricane coming to mm-hmm. Madison. That's not supposed to happen inland. But that hurricane hasn't led to the violent street demonstrations or looting or the burning of cars and businesses that occurred in Ferguson after the shooting of Michael Brown. Police here have calmly stopped traffic and ushered protesters from one rally site to another. The very night that Robinson was killed, police chief Michael Koval met with his family and apologized. The next day, Koval identified Matt Kenney as the officer who shot Robinson. An independent state investigation of the shooting began within hours of Robinson's death. And unlike in Ferguson, where police released a video of Michael Brown allegedly shoplifting, Chief Michael Koval says the fact that Robinson was on probation for armed robbery has no connection to the shooting. But Reverend G says that doesn't mean there aren't racial tensions here. What it awakens for the community is, is an old tape that's been played
4: over and over and over in my life, my father's life, my grandfather's life, my great-grandfather's life,
3: and it's just hard to shake it. Despite its reputation as a liberal city with good schools, the arrest rate for young black men in Madison is six times higher than it is for their white counterparts, and that's three times higher than the national average. Erica Nelson studied Madison's racial divide for the Wisconsin Council on Children and Families.
5: White well-being in terms of education and all these sort of indicators, is better than the national average. And so the notion that a rising tide lifts all boats is not taking place here. And in fact, uh, African Americans are doing worse.
3: Even before last week's shooting, these statistics have been a central theme in a series of protests over the past two months, calling for changes in the way police interact with Madison's black residents. David Harris teaches law at the University of Pittsburgh and studies racial profiling by police. He says Madison is already using a model aimed at promoting positive relationships between police and minority communities.
6: Many police departments who will talk about community policing, uh, who will dedicate one officer or one small unit of officers to community policing, But Madison's approach has been more pervasive for a longer period of time.
3: Last week's shooting raises questions about how effective those policies have been. Madison Police Chief Michael Koval is promising to step up efforts to reach out.
6: I've asked my officers to park the car, get out and walk, get out and be visible, have those courageous conversations as people would allow play a game of horse on the on the basketball court. We need to show that we are members of the community as well.
3: And just how the community adjusts its self-image may in part hinge on the results of a state investigation into whether the shooting was a justified use of lethal force. For NPR News, I'm Gilman Halstead in Madison.
4: Context of white supremacy, justice, gusty, renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Thursday, March 12th, 2015. So I have been told Uh, first thing I know we still have folks who are making uh, adjustments because we had. Upgrades to the Black Talk Radio Network site uh, and the media player changed. Uh, So for the people who are listening at Black Talk Radio Network, you don't see the media player where it used to be. No problem. Look to the right in the margin, if you will. Top of the page. You shouldn't have to scroll down or anything. Uh, You should see the media player looks different, but it's in the right. It won't be playing anything. I don't think at least when I went to the site, it was not. Uh, The default setting was not that it would be uh, playing, streaming uh, any audio as soon as you go to the page. All you have to do is find uh, context of right supremacy should be uh, written out. Click on that and it will load the stream. Uh, for this particular program, and you should be able to listen live for for folks who are trying to listen online. I know that is a very recent change, and some people were a little confused uh, from the way that they normally uh, access the streaming content online. If you have difficulties uh, if it doesn't work for you let me know but i've tried it out it didn't take five seconds uh, to just find context to white supremacy click it and it will start uh playing so that's the new way uh, you can listen on the live stream of course you can call in the old way you can listen on tune in or many different ways uh, to listen to the live stream but just to make sure that folks are all caught up we're all ready to roll with the new uh, updates to the site That said, uh, it seems like uh, this has been yet another busy week. I think I said last week that there were so many things happening uh, that it was difficult to keep up with everything that was directly, explicitly talking about the system of white supremacy. Uh, This week hasn't been quite that busy, but it certainly has not been a slow week. Uh, We were last on the air on Saturday, uh, and it seems like there have just been a plethora of things that have happened Uh, In roughly four days uh, since we went off the air, uh, even though the segment with Tony Robinson, uh, the police shooting uh, in Wisconsin, that's the audio clip that we began with today. That was last uh, the end of last week that has continued uh, to evolve this week. Uh, And just a reminder to folks, uh, they just had that report that came out. Uh, it wasn't it was about a week ago. <laughs> it's been about seven days. Why is Milwaukee so bad for black people? Uh, now, this shooting happened in Madison, uh, Wisconsin, but it was just talking about some of these overall what they call disparities. What I would say these are just uh, the practices. Of White supremacy uh, in education and incarceration. And I mean, even for the entire state of Wisconsin, I don't think anybody locks up more black people uh, than the state of Wisconsin on the whole. Uh, But that has obviously been a big issue. Uh, The resignation of Tom Jackson, as well as the municipal court judge in Ferguson and the two officers. Uh, We're shot. It's just been a lot uh, has been going on uh, over the past few days. Uh, Definitely uh, will be lots to talk about. We'll be covering some of those issues uh, during our discussion for the evening uh, to let folks know. Certainly one of the other issues that has drawn a lot of attention, uh, the situation down in Oklahoma. Uh, I personally was pretty bored uh, with all of that because that sort of thing happens really on a weekly basis. Uh, And I mean, really on a weekly basis. It was just Wheaton College. I don't even think people heard about that at Wheaton College where some of the students dressed up in Klan outfits uh, and had Confederate flags. Now that was seven days ago. That didn't get nearly as much attention as the situation uh, in Oklahoma. However, I did use all of the attention since so many people are talking about that and it's producing so many different reports about the history uh, of this fraternity and its connection to white supremacy racism. A new blog post uh, Gregory Johnson Jr. was found dead in a white fraternity like SAE. Uh, it's on the website. You can check it out. Uh, today just got posted, but that is one of the first things that I thought about when all of this went down. Uh, Mr. Gregory Johnson Jr., black male who was found dead, ruled a suicide in 2008 at San Jose State, not Sigma. Alpha Epsilon, uh, different white fraternity, but in my view, same result. Uh, we talked about that case before, and I'm almost I'm a little not too much because black di- black lives don't matter. But I'm almost a little bit surprised that I hadn't heard uh, folks bringing up his name and seeing that, you know, this to- this type of environment, this sort of racist culture produces things like what you saw in that video, uh, as well as the death of Gregory Johnson, Jr. But you can check it out. If you think it's constructive, share. Uh, Our guest for this evening's broadcast, uh, one of my followers on Twitter, uh, she tagged me in an exchange uh, where our guest, uh, he was talking about some of the conversations that he has been privy to as a white person. When there are no non-white people around, and that's certainly something that we talk about a lot on this program and emphasizing that the dialogue is very different when non-white people are absent in terms of things that white people talk about, things that white people say. I think you got a glimpse of that in that SAE video that went viral, no non-white people present. You would be amazed at the type of things that are said. Uh, and she thought it would be great uh, to have him on the program to share some of those details, as well as his thoughts uh, on the system of racism, white supremacy. Uh, pleasure to have him on the program. This is actually a white person, uh, even though, unless I'm misinformed, he was born in Tennessee, uh, currently resides in the state of New York, uh, lived in South Africa uh, for a period of time. So he has a very interesting perspective uh, on the system of white supremacy uh, and how it operates globally, uh, patterns, contrasts, comparisons uh, from his travels. Uh, You can check out some of his writings. uh, His blog, ThoughtsofBrown.com, should be linked in the description to the program. The address, again, is ThoughtsofBrown.com. Real pleasure to have him on the program. Joining us live, Mr. Ryan Dalton. Uh, Mr. Dalton, are you with us?
7: I'm with you. Thank you so much for having me.
4: Pleasure to have you on the program, sir. Um, anything for our guests, this might be their first time hearing about you and checking out your blog and what have you, anything that you think listeners should know about you before we get started?
7: Um, yeah, I mean, you you covered some of the, the, the main spots. I did grow up in Tennessee, a small kind of white suburban area called Cookville, Tennessee, um, and I lived in Cape Town, South Africa for 10 years, where uh, I worked with, homeless youth in downtown Cape town area. And that's where I really, um, got involved initially in activism and really, uh, started seeing the impact of white supremacy and systemic racism on the youth that I was working with. Um, and so, uh, that's kind of where I got some of the, my first experiences really fighting, uh, white supremacy, though I did grow up obviously around it in Tennessee. Um, and yeah, and now, as you said, I live in Brooklyn, and I'm a high school
4: teacher. Okay, right on, right on. Uh, I guess, quickly, the the demographics, the high school that you teach at, uh, in terms of your students, are they mostly white, mostly non-white? Um, most, majority of the uh, students at my school are black, uh, teaching at Crown Heights. Okay, okay. Fascinating, fascinating. And And what age are these freshmen, seniors, what age are they? Um, I actually,
7: I teach, we, uh, we have a small school, um, we're part of a, a small school on a bigger campus, um, and so we're actually 6 through 12, and I end up interacting with all the grades, because I'm also the coordinator of student activities, um, but I, I've taught pretty much all the grades, um, the, the whole range in various different classes, I've taught there. Okay. But I deal, I teach predominantly uh, this year, 10th grade and 6th grade, and then I have a 10th grade advisory circle that meets
4: every morning. Hmm. Fascinating, fascinating. Uh, we're going to try and cover as much material as we can, some of the things that you shared on your blog, some of the current events and, and uh, the topic, the exchange that you were having online that uh, alerted me to uh, your efforts. Uh, Before we get to that, uh, we start this program uh, with definitions, Uh, found definitions are very important. Uh, The definition that I use for racism and white supremacy, I use those two terms as synonyms, same definition for both terms. That definition is as follows. A global system of people who classify themselves as white and are dedicated to abusing and or subjugating everyone in the known universe whom they classify as not white. Uh, Do you think such a system exists? Do you think that is an accurate definition?
7: Absolutely. I mean, um, I'm sure you're familiar with bell hooks, um, the author and academic Uh, She speaks about the institutionalized systems of domination and um, white supremacy as one of the prominent ones, uh, not just in America globally, obviously, but also very prevalent in America. And that's pretty much the, her definition, in other words, also of uh, white supremacy as an institutionalized system of domination.
4: Okay. Definitely uh, familiar. Well, I'll speak for myself, not the listeners. Yes, I'm absolutely uh, familiar with uh, Bell Hooks, uh, her work, lectures, books, uh, the whole nine. Um, Before I get to the post uh, where you were talking about some of these all white conversations that you've been privy to, uh, this is a question that trying to ask all of the white people who come on the program uh, to get their perspective. Uh, there was a post. Uh, this was right about the end of December, uh, where an author he was talking about a different magazine, and he was basically saying that they have a long history of racism. Uh, he was saying both in their hiring practices and having very few uh, non-white writers uh, on their staff, uh, and also saying in terms of content and uh, the times, few times when they actually did talk about and acknowledge racism. They were very few and far in between, and then they just had glaring uh, examples. <clears throat> uh, they had a, a review where they were basically uh, giving uh, lots of praise and accolades to the bell curve and saying that this is just great work, great scholarship. Uh, and there's a sentence uh, in this review where the author writes uh, that white people are often sincerely and greatly pained by racism, but rarely are they pained enough and I've been asking uh, white guests on the program since I read this report uh the first part of that sentence uh white people are often sincerely and greatly pained by racism, just based on your experience as a white person, do you think that is an accurate statement
7: um uh
4: Speaking for white people generally
7: as a whole, I absolutely do not think that is true whatsoever um, because it's hard to be greatly pained by something you don't understand or you don't experience. And I feel like um, one of the things about uh, white supremacy and white privilege is that it blinds uh, the privileged, and specifically in this context, white people from being able to see uh, and feel and deeply know and understand the issues that others face, um, and so i I would say as a whole, um, white people are not deeply pained enough um, and some of that might be by choice, um, just choosing not to know kind of uh, what doesn't know what i don 't know can 't hurt me kind of mindset, and some of it might just be. Um, The characteristics of privilege that that sort of blind them and protect them from that knowledge Hmm. and when i say them i'm speaking about me too not (laughs) excluding
4: myself appreciate that appreciate that uh for folks who are keeping track uh that's four for we are four and four so we've had eight white guests so far uh split uh excuse me we've had eight people that have been asked that question thus far we are split down the middle Four and four, I think, at least right now, the trend uh, out of the four whites who said that they did not or that they did think that that was a truthful statement. Three of the four were females uh, for folks uh, keeping track. All of the folks, all of the white people thus far who said that they think that that statement is false. They have all been white males uh, thus far for folks keeping track as we go. We'll continue to ask and get more information uh, what exactly is it that you think, uh, if I heard you correctly, you said that uh, white people don't understand uh, racism. What exactly is it that you think a significant number of whites don't understand about racism?
7: Well, it's, it's something, uh, especially when, it's something that, I. well, let me take a step back. I believe that it's really hard to understand things unless we've experienced it, unless we've had the opportunity to um, walk through it and and experience it. And we can read all about it and we can watch movies about it and and whatever, listen to lectures about it. But until you've had that deep understanding, it's really hard to, um, I mean that deep experience, it's really hard to understand it on a deep level. Um, And so... Uh, there, there are just certain things that white people do not have to face on a daily basis. That would be um, things like many uh, realities, but also articles and um, news headlines we've seen um, where i 've seen articles about having specific names on a resume is an immediate rejection of a resume and um, things like walking through a store and being followed around. We see some vines and, and videos online. Um, where I, see, I saw one recently of a black man who was being followed around the store by um, the store owner, and he was doing it in a joking way, but also saying how ridiculous it was. This man was, white man was following him around the store just because he was black. Um, those are day-to-day things that white people do not have to face and they don't understand, and so they can't understand just how um, racism just permeates society, and all of our institutions, and every aspect of um, our lives, and because we're protected from that, it's impossible for us to understand it on a deep level, and I think that's why a lot of times in the past when I've spoken about racism or white privilege, um, the very thing I'm speaking about, uh, white, uh, wh- many white people are very quick to jump on that and sort of demonstrate the exact behavior that I was speaking about of like a privileged white person and how they would respond to me speaking about racism so um, I-, I think it's the privilege that sort of protects from those types of daily racist encounters um, and that is what kind of disallows a deeper understanding of the situation
3: hmm.
4: Just for folks listening in, that was uh, on my part. That was a poor job at uh, asking the question. Um, I will rephrase uh, and and get your response. Before I do that, I'll make a request. Uh, I encourage our listeners not to use the term white privilege, uh, because in my view, it's not accurate uh, if what we're talking about is people being harmed, abused terrorized, subjugated. That's not privilege, uh, in my view. It's just it's very inaccurate. And and that tendency leads people into saying that folks have all types of privilege, even that victims of racism uh, have different types of privilege. And that's not really what we're talking about. At least that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a power differential that is designed for white people to use their power to abuse and terrorize non-white people. So I would prefer if you would not use the term privilege, uh, just because I, I think it's inaccurate. Um, but my question, really what I was getting at, not if white people understand what black people experience or how black people feel as a result of racism. But in when I say white people don't understand, not understanding the way racism, white supremacy works. Uh, are you suggesting that white people are not aware That black people might not get certain jobs based on having certain names, that black people are not treated the same way that whites are by enforcement officers, judge, judges, uh, potential loan officers, uh, potential employers. Uh, Are you suggesting that white people are not aware of the mechanics about how racism, white supremacy works and that black people are being mistreated worldwide? Yes, absolutely.
7: I'm, I'm suggesting that, that um, white people just have no idea that that is a reality for other people.
4: Okay. But not all white people, but many white people, yes. Okay. But you, as a white person, you are aware that that is happening, correct? You are aware of that? Um, yes, and, okay. and, it, and it
7: came through um, uh, building meaningful relationships with people outside of my kind of small, homogeneous upbringing and social circles.
4: Got it. Okay. That's one um, I would submit, and I could be in error. I'll, I'll give you opportunity to respond. I hear that a lot uh, from whites. I hear it from victims of white supremacy that This problem is because white people are just not informed about racism and the latter, meaning that they just don't know that this is happening. They don't know uh, that black people are being mistreated. They don't know that this is set up worldwide. And I'm saying uh, in the strongest possible terms that that is malarkey. That is nonsense. uh, And really, I could really be worse than that. I think frequently whites are lying. When they say that, they know that is not true. And I've told people, rewind, right? Let's not think in terms of 2015. We don't have to go back to ancient history. If we just went back, since everybody wants to talk about Selma, uh, if we were in 1965, I don't think too many people could honestly say that white people don't really know that black people are being mistreated. I don't think too many people could honestly say that white people don't know how these signs got up saying that this water fountain is for diggers and this water fountain here is for whites. I don't think too many white people could say that they don't know what a sundown town is in 1965. I don't think too many white people could truthfully make that statement uh, here, South Africa either. I don't think too many white people could truthfully say, I don't really know what a shantytown is. What? What exactly are you talking about? You mean black people? N- I mean... 1965, I don't think that argument would hold any weight at all. And I'm saying that 2015, it doesn't hold any weight here either. Uh, I would even turn if we want 2015, that Department of Justice report in Ferguson, that right there. I don't think those white people at the Ferguson Police Department, I don't think it was that they were unaware. In fact, it states that explicitly in the report, they have a system in Ferguson where the arrest disparities are reported online and have been for a long time. That report says explicitly that they knew there was a massive disparity in black people being stopped, ticketed. They had known this and not just knew this when the whole Michael Brown kerfuffle came about. They had known this for years because it's online. They're using all the technology and everything to compile this. So you have these statistics. They had known this. And they just didn't care. In addition to all the racist emails and everything referencing black people as chimpanzees and monkeys and niggers and all this other stuff. So in my opinion, that is grossly inaccurate, if not an out and out deliberate lie that is propagated to just add confusion about white supremacy, racism. I'm eager to get your response. If I'm talking incorrect, if I'm saying things that are not logical, please let me know. No, no, I I uh, would fully agree with you um, that
7: their white supremacy, especially as an institutionalized system of domination, is very deliberate. It's very violent. It's very intentional. Um, my point, what the point that I was trying to make is, I don't believe every single white person is aware um, of what's going on, and we don't at this time, at this point in life, we don't live in the times. Uh, where we do see the different toilets that people have to go to and things like that, now we do see we absolutely see injustices it's, it should be very obvious obvious it should be very apparent um, but unfortunately, a lot of people keep to their own kind of worlds but let me not i 'm um, definitely not trying to make excuses for white supremacy and i definitely agree with you. Like in the department of justice report on Ferguson, um, that's blatant racism. It was absolute proof that they were very intentional about who they targeted, how they targeted and why they targeted them. Um, I think I was more speaking on a broader level. Um, the average, let's say suburban white American, I don't think they know the depths of racism. Um, that I don't think that th- that happens in America. I don't. I'm not saying that's an excuse or, um, yeah. I, I, it's just I think that, that that's more what I was speaking about. But I, I definitely understand what you're you were saying, and I even agree with that.
4: Okay there there seem to be some contradictions in your response um where it just it seems impossible that we can agree and you still take the stance that you're speaking in a more broader sense that some of these white people uh that there are white people who just don't know the depths of racism because that is the antithesis of what I'm saying. I'm saying that these white people know. I wouldn't care if they're out in the white suburbs in Appalachia uh in South Africa uh South Africa Cape Town wherever they happen to be. I'm saying fundamentally Whites understand what it means to be white and how they are supposed to function in a system of white supremacy in relation to black people. That's what I'm saying. And for evidence of this, I will segue to the conversation that alerted me to your work about these conversations that happen in white spaces. I would just hold that up consistently because we've talked about this really for years now. At this point, if black people knew the type of conversations that white people have in private company. When there are no non-white people present, I think we would have a lot more resistance to anyone, including yourself, Mr. Dalton, making a suggestion that white people are just not aware of the depths of racism, any and all white people, that they are somehow just clueless about all this. And and before I even segue, just the serious of this, because this is something I think that needs to be totally Squashed. I encourage listeners to really think about this because I could be an error. I make mistakes, but really think about this. Uh, In my view, I suspect just with your response, I suspect that you could be deliberately willfully practicing racism here in that response, because it just, it doesn't make sense to me. It seems like there are a lot of contradictions to what you just said, but I will segue because I think this for me makes the point you wrote on your Twitter. uh, This is earlier this week. You were talking about your time in South Africa. You said, The first time that I heard one of these all white conversations, I was in complete shock. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Now, this is while you were in South Africa. Before I even get your response about the details of what you were hearing uh, and what this reveals about the system of white supremacy, I'll just get in for the record, too, that I'm pretty sure you could probably give us some examples of this happening stateside or anywhere else in the world, but certainly stateside, Tennessee, New York, wherever else you have been uh, in your travels of this exact same phenomenon in terms of what white people say, how they talk about black people when there are no black people present. But can you kind of give us the details, as much detail as possible about what you were hearing in this all white space in South Africa?
7: Sure. Um, This was, that was, this would have been in 2003. Uh, and I lived in Cape Town since well, I, I moved there in 2000, um, and so I uh, just started at University of Cape Town. And just by the nature of my life and the work I did, um, I was rarely around white South Africans in Cape Town. Um, and University of Cape Town was kind of just a eye opener to me because it was, it's a, it's still even very white, uh, university. Um, it's one of the bigger universities in South Africa, but it's still very white like, dominated. Um, so that was really the first time in my life in South Africa that I was around that was sort of a, a space that was majority white people, um, and so out obviously I had classes and things with these people. And I, because I wasn't, I was, well, I mean, I was considered an older student even though I was only 23 myself. Um, but because of that and because I was doing full-time work, I wasn't really there for the social aspects of school. So I kind of just went in and did my thing, and then left. Um, so I wasn't really trying to build, solid relationships while I was there. Um, but they're kind of, you know, before class starts, little groups form and they talk. And there was one day, this one day that I was speaking about on the tweets in particular, um, it was a group of students that had kind of formed outside uh, of a classroom. And one of one of the girls, uh white girl, her apartment had been broken into. Um, and they... I, I, it's, it's, this part is kind of foggy to me, but I I don't know if they caught someone or if she saw someone or what it was, but the bottom line is she either assumed or thought or knew that the person who broke into her house was black, and that is where um, she started saying things like, um, oh, now it's just every black person I see I'm angry at, and I'm just so, and she was just saying these sort of, um general statements about an entire group of people based on one person uh that had broken into her thing her house and i was just shocked at what i was hearing and i it took it was almost like a twilight zone moment because i couldn't figure out why she would think it's okay to speak in that way and in that first kind of moment of shock when i was like trying to figure out what's going on i looked around and i realized that the little group that was standing there was only white people and i uh i don't remember exactly what i said but i said something along the lines of i don't appreciate it the way you're speaking it's incredibly racist um you're blaming an entire group of people for one thing that one person has done um and i walked off at that point um but yeah that was the that was the first incident that i had with that there and it was just bizarre, but I realized it would never have done that had some of our black students and peers been present there. And I saw later on in that day and later on through the course of studies, the same girl interacting sort of in this fake way um, with some of our black colleagues. And it was just this real kind of gross thing to observe,
4: Wow. Now that is revealing for many reasons. Were there were there other times where this happened while you were in South Africa, where white people that you were around started to make just blatantly uh, white supremacist remarks in your presence?
7: Um, that
4: see that that was
7: kind of the interesting thing is most people who know me uh, wouldn't they they wouldn't do that because they know what I stand for and know that I speak out against this when I hear it or see it um so it, it it was this unique situation where these people didn't know me well enough because school had just started and they just they saw me as just any white guy um and that also showed the level of comfortability that they felt to just kind of say this around any white person um uh but I, I would say I, I I didn't experience other things in that uh much of a ex- Extreme, but I did have some other strange um, situations based on language, and uh, it, it's it's similar but
4: different. Actually, it's sort of the
7: reverse effect of, of that in a way.
4: Hmm. It, it, do you recall uh, the female that was, you know, making these comments after her allegedly her residence was uh, burglarized? Uh, like her age, uh, her age would have been. I
7: guess that that was first year university, and I had taken several years off, so I was twenty three as I said, but so she probably she would have been fresh out of high school, so you know twenty ish nineteen twenty i guess
4: okay, okay, just to me that further evidences the fact that this is a pretty young white person, I'm pretty sure. At that, and I could be wrong, but I don't think she had completed a lot of coursework on uh, what they call whiteness studies or critical race studies. I don't think she had just been sitting around uh, reading Tim Wise or Steve Biko or Patrice Lumumba. Uh, I don't think that she had done all that by that time, but just as a white person, she had an understanding of the world that, of course, I can make racist comments about black people in the presence of other white people and I'm not going to be in trouble I'm not going to be reprimanded there'll be no repercussions just like those white young whites at the SAE fraternity in Oklahoma of course we can sing a song about lynching black people and unless you know somebody rats us out which really shouldn't happen but unless we get ratted out of course we're not going to get in trouble of course there's nothing incorrect about this they already have that understanding and and i think you talked about this in the tweets as well the hypocrisy or i can't even say it's hypocrisy in my opinion it's just further demonstrating i know this is something that i shouldn't do if black people are around because I don't want them to think, to know, to be confirmed that I am a racist. So I wouldn't, of course, I wouldn't do this when black people are present. But once they exit, and I'm in the backstage uh, two-faced racism book that we talked about, once that is the dynamic, psh, let it rip. I can make any sort of racist comments I want. And, of course, as a white person, you should cosign. Just having that understanding of what it means to be white, I automatically assume if you're white, you're racist. Am I correctly extrapolating from what you told us again, if I'm, you know, talking crazy or saying anything that doesn't make sense, you know, let me know. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely what happened there. And I I did actually remember
7: one other interaction I had specifically with that uh, particular student, if you're interested in that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. So, um, so we, that, that was first year. And so you have a, well, in, in South Africa, um, the universities are based on, I guess it's the British system, um, but they don't have that kind of first year that we have here where it's like English, um, science, math, those kind of first-year courses. Uh, you kind of get straight going into whatever you're studying, um, and so your first year is first-year courses in whatever you might be studying. Um, so that... First year we had a, oh, I was studying social work, by the way. Um, uh, We had this introductory social work course that's kind of just mm, climatizing uh, people to the idea of social work and just trying to expose the students to all different uh, worldviews and perspectives and things like that. And so one of the assignments was to write a piece reflecting on racism within ourselves and around us, um, and so we were asked to do that, and then sort of the culminating, uh, task, I guess, was a class discussion on race, basically on what we had written, um, but we were supposed to discuss in depth race, and it was, that in itself was, the discussion was very, well, that whole experience was kind of an interesting experience, um, because uh the professor who graded my paper i I was pretty brutal with my critique of racism in South Africa and within myself uh what I grew up with um, and the professor who graded it was an older white english south african lady uh, I would say she's in her seventies. And she yeah. everybody else's papers they got back things like oh that that must be so hard and it was a lot of um i think what people would refer to as like white peers, i think what people people even like some of the white people were uh well let me meant what i guess ignorant enough to use things like reverse racism and, and this type of thing um and her her comments were very validating to everyone and uh, on my paper, she just like ripped it apart, and she was very she was very clear that oh this this is not for a grade, this is for introspection, um, and she was just very critical of uh, of things I wrote, and then she even went as far to say like I'm you're American, so you don't know what you're talking about, and you can't speak on our country because mm-hmm. you're American, which is also fair enough. Like I I understand where someone might have that uh, perspective. So, anyways, uh, that all led up to this class discussion. Um, and it was one of those typical scenarios where nobody was really saying things that they really truly felt and, or, uh, things, no one was really allowing themselves to go to a deep place and the discussion stayed very shallow and it was just kind of people saying things that they thought everybody wanted to hear. Um, and we walked out of that talk and that, same girl was kind of like exiting the door that I was and kind of uh said, uh oh, that was frustrating or something like that. And I I also expressed frustration. Um and when I expressed frustration I was talking about how I wished it would have gone deeper. I wish we would spoken about something. And she her frustration was she said, She's just so tired of hearing about this racism. Um it, it's not even, a, it's not even a problem anymore. Mind you, um, 1994, I mean, that 2003, 1994 was when apartheid officially ended and, you know, the new democracy started. So we're just looking at like basically, um, nine years later. Um, and she said, you know, this isn't even a problem anymore. It's over. Why can't we just move on? And then she said, and, and, and my sister can't get a job because of BEE, which is um, South Africa's version of affirmative action, it's black economic empowerment, and which is also not true, her sister absolutely can get a job, um, but I just heard the same kind of thing, and again, I, I shut her down, and I was like, I think you're speaking about something you're very unaware of, um, that's not true, if your sister does not have a job, she'll absolutely get a job, um... Uh, racism is still very much an issue in this country. Um, and, yeah, so that was a, another experience I had with her that just came to mind. But fortunately, uh, my experiences with her were few and far between.
4: Mm. Fascinating. Uh, again, our guest, Mr. Ryan Dalton, a uh, white male context of white supremacy. Uh, this just for listeners, folk non-white black people that are, are listening and just everything that he just said in my opinion uh, corroborates my thesis that whites, this is not ignorance I know you even said it a few times in that response this is not ignorance, even when white people are saying that oh, it's reverse racism and you know, these coffers uh, are responsible for us not being able to get a job or the country being in ruin or the BE, affirmative action whatever it happens, uh, to be that that is not ignorance uh, that is just white people demonstrating racism white supremacy and their dedication to it and they will have a variety of means of voicing uh their disgust or frustration if they don't particularly like what's happening uh under the system particularly if they are you know disgruntled uh, about something that's happened as black people are perceiving that their system is somehow being attacked or they're not getting all the goodies that they're supposed to get from that system being in place as a white woman white man. Excellent. I do really appreciate that your anecdotes uh, revolved around white women, young white women and elderly white women, because I think that's one of the major errors that is also consistently made uh, in generally uh, everybody, white people and non-white people. They talk about white supremacy and even some of our guests, they've said white male patriarchy, and I, I shudder Uh, not quite as much as when I hear white privilege, but I, I, uh, that one grates at me when people say that because you absolutely could not have a global system of white terrorism. If white women were not down for the cause equally willing and looking forward to participate in abusing, terrorizing, subjugating non-white people, especially black people. So I hope that stuck out as well for listeners that we got two anecdotes involving white women, not the dastardly white man. Um, you also in this uh you had kind of two longer posts that's kind of in the same vein uh you were responding in august uh when all of the uh upheaval in Ferguson began with the shooting death of michael brown jr uh you wrote uh, a couple different posts, uh one of them white America's response to the killing of Mike brown uh and then I guess people left comments or However, let you know that they didn't appreciate what you had to say. Uh, And so then you wrote uh, a follow up to that. Uh, Ryan Dalton is a racist asshole where you went through some of what you heard uh, from people uh, writing to you, responding to you. Uh, The program is G rated. I just don't censor when people that's what the article's title. So that's what it is. Um, You wrote uh, racial segregation in our geographic residential areas and social relationships enables the perpetuation of ignorant views of the other i.e. non-white people racial segregation in our geographic residential areas and social relationships enables the dehumanization that is necessary for racism Uh, aside from the fact that ignorant pops up again and I've already, not to be a dead horse, but uh, to me, it sounds like you are suggesting that the problem is that white people don't have enough contact with black people to see them as human beings, to realize that they shouldn't be mistreated and that racism should be passe. We should be about justice and not mistreating people uh, on the basis of them being classified as not white. Is that, is that what you were getting at in this uh, paragraph? Uh,
7: yeah, in, in, in that part I am speaking about dehumanization and how it, it is made easier when you are able to see someone as the other and you don't have, um, regular and meaningful contact with the other. Uh, bell hooks speaks about it as the accident of circumstances, um, that just our sort of social, uh, circles tend to be homogenous, um, and she, she, she describes, uh, she talks about a white liberal named Ken and, um, says that he sees his social life as more of an accident of circumstances than a choice. And, um, I mean, that's, that's playing the victim, but she's just pointing out that if you don't have those interactions with quote, the other, end quote, whoever the other is, then it's easier to see someone as not human. And it's meaningful relationships that uh, allow us to see each other on a deeper, um, more human level.
4: Hmm. I I read that, and just many things came to mind. I'll give, uh, I'll explain, but just my quick thesis. I would have to tie this to what I said earlier. This is, is for me, it's pretty much a continuation uh, of the same, in my view, nonsensical line of thinking that white people are ignorant about racism, uh, that white people, they just need to have more contact with black people. If they had more contact with black people, then we would progress in solving this problem. And I just, Can I, oh, hang, I'll, I'll let you respond, but I, I want to I okay, finish. Sorry, okay. uh, I just, I find that It's ridiculous on so many levels. Um, Number one, you had we had formal plantation enslavement right in this area of the world uh, for centuries, Uh, not just in this area of the world, but other other parts of the globe as well. But uh, where white people were in contact with the black people that they were enslaving, raping, beating, whatever else they wanted to do, Uh, that didn't stop them from practicing racism, white supremacy, even after that era. Of white supremacy slavery ended and we transitioned to a different era, uh, we still had white people who were in daily proximity. Uh, All of this mammy and we got to go back and have 80,000 movies of Gone with the Wind and The Help and what have you, where you got a black person who is living in a white person's house or at minimum spending 45, 50 hours a week in a white person's house and wet nursing them and changing their diapers and the whole nine where they've had tons of contact Uh, With Black people. Uh, I just I I see no logic uh, in that at all. And then I also come back to the other end. Uh, This is from Forbes magazine, not some crazy, wild eyed person. Uh, But Forbes magazine, they were quoting a 2007 study by George Washington University sociology professor George D. Squires comments on why most whites avoid racially diverse neighborhoods. Evidence indicates that it is the presence of blacks and not just neighborhood conditions often associated with black neighborhoods, e.g. bad schools, high crime, that accounts for white aversion to such areas. In one survey, whites reported that they would be unlikely to purchase a home that met their requirements in terms of price, number of rooms, and other housing characteristics in a neighborhood with good schools and low crime rates if there was a substantial representation of African Americans. To put it plainly, white people simply do not want to be around black people. And I think that's something that just does not get talked about enough. This is not about we don't have enough contact. We just don't know each other. There's a quote unquote racial divide. This is about white people are devoted that definition. This is not white privilege. This is about. A dedication to abusing, subjugating, terrorizing black people in particular, non-white people on the whole. This is not something that's going to be corrected by white people and black people hanging out and solving this problem. That's just not going to happen. And I'll I'll end and allow you to retort Uh, this whole week where people have been so chatting about uh, SAE at Oklahoma. I'm reminded white people spent a lot of time and energy talking about a sorority, white women, again, uh, I believe on the campus of the University of Alabama and saying that we this sorority were mandating that they be integrated and they don't have any black female members. And you got to get some. And there was a big to do about this. And a lot of the whites didn't want them there. I hope people if you all remember that, if you don't, I can post some of the articles because there was a lot of attention on this. Uh, If folks don't recall, if you do recall, uh, I hope people will keep that in mind. Having heard that this week and also remember Gregory Johnson, Jr., we do not need to be looking to be around people who have shown consistently for centuries that they are dedicated to abusing black people. That to me is just the height of absurdity to say that we will solve this problem by having increased contact with folks who are dedicated to practicing racism. Uh, Feel free to respond. And again, if I misinterpreted or didn't hear something correctly, let me know. Yeah. Um, so I, I did just want to clarify.
7: Um, I, maybe I didn't make myself completely clear. I absolutely do not believe that just putting people together and making people live in the same place or something like that is going to solve racism and end white supremacy. Um, I, my my point with uh, talking about separation, perpetuating it, is. The, the more separate we are, the easier it is for the human. I was specifically speaking about the dehumanization that is necessary to perpetuate these things. Um, and when, when I kind of tried to, I wasn't trying to interrupt you, but when I was trying to sort of clarify, I was going to say, I understand that black people and white people had extremely close contact during slavery in America. And it was absolute, absolutely atrocious contact. Um, but there, there was even that it, similar uh, to what I saw in South Africa, with still uh, what they call domestic workers and nannies uh, taking care of little white children. But simultaneously with that, you you had so you have this little baby white child who is being brought up by a black nanny in South Africa or in America, and simultaneously with that sort of care and nurturing that's happening. Um, that, that baby goes up to love that person, but at the same time, that baby goes up being taught that that person is not equal. And it is very intentional, and it is a very, um, yeah, it is a very intentional thing that happened in history and even that I saw in South Africa. Um, so I'm, I, to clarify, I'm not saying that just contact alone is going to end it. And I also don't think, I, I mean, I'm not, like, sort of uh, wide-eyed and bushy enough to think that just, like, we can't force integration. Um, We can, uh, like, they abolish segregation on paper, but you can't um, end segregation in people's hearts. Um, uh, My point in that piece that I was merely trying to make is that segregation does allow the perpetuation of these things to, uh, allow these things to perpetuate on a on a greater scale when we don 't have meaningful contact, and I think the focus is on meaningful contact, and that meaningful contact has to be open and honest about the power struggle and the power um, systems in our society and it has to be a continuous awareness and a willingness to be reflective and um, honest about those things uh, i mean uh, a great example of what I wasn't talking about, but I think sort of going on your point is what we see um, with gentrification uh, happening in many of these urban areas where these young white people uh, who actually are in love with black culture, but not in love with black people, um, move into certain areas because they think they're hip and cool. And in that, they push out the residents who have lived there for years and years and years and they don't embrace the residents, and they don't embrace that culture, and they end up, it's it's like a micro-modern imperialism, and push people out. Um, and it is that is not integration that happens. A lot of people would, you know, some of those uh, younger white hipsters would think that they are, like, living in these integrated neighborhoods and, and, and even, like, have what they might consider "Quote street cred," in quote, for living in a certain neighborhood, but it's not integration because it's it's actually horrible what's happening and uh, the the manner in which it's happening. So um, so just to clarify, maybe maybe you could ask if you need more clarification for for what I I mean, but um, I, I wasn't saying that uh, integration or even contact is going to end racism. But I do think that through meaningful relationships, um, people can begin to see each other in a way that just near um, distance and separation and simple stereotypes won't allow. Um, but, I mean, just just last night I I, I was talking about, there. I, we saw several people who were trying, several white people who, have been accused of being racist who in order to try to prove that they're not racist, they in a typical way show a picture of them posing with a black person or say that they adopted a black child or say that they're married to uh, a, a black person. Um, and that's preposterous because in the same way, a misogynist man can marry a woman, um, a racist white person can marry a, black person, Um, and yeah, it's obviously not proof that they are not racist just because they have this relationship. So even all close relationships and close contact do not equate um, anti-racism or the breaking down and the dismantling of white supremacy, but I do think um, that anytime we are separated, uh, it allows another narrative to take place. And it also allows fear to grow and fear of the other. And I saw that very much in South Africa, um, because in apartheid government and the, the architects of apartheid were very clear that if we can separate, it it, it was kind of a add on to the whole divide and conquer theory, but they knew that if they could keep people separate and not understanding each other and not knowing about each other, that they would more easily be able to dominate and rule, um, and I saw that with various groups of people that I interacted with in Cape Town um, who based what they did or did not do and areas that they would or would not go to on things they didn't even know about, but but just these narratives of the other that they had, they had heard and that they had been told. Um, and that was purely due to segregation, to separation, and that apartheid. Uh,
4: system that exists in that country hmm. I, I, I my my response would be for non white people just listening to you. I can totally understand if you are a victim of white supremacy and you're not clear about what racism is, how it works, what it means to be white. Everything else will confuse you uh, because you'll have someone like Mr. Dalton, who, in my view, is very informed. He's traveled. He has a global perspective on racism, white supremacy. You talk, you you read about this subject matter, bell hooks, James Baldwin, you uh, cite on your ball, uh, on your blog, Tim Wise, other scholars who write uh, Derek Bell, uh, other folks who write uh, and think critically uh, about racism, white supremacy, that listening to you, I would be very confused Uh, And I would be thinking incorrectly about white supremacy as a total system. And I would be thinking incorrectly about whites. I might even think that you are a white person that is sincerely about ending white supremacy. And I just don't think that's true. And for me, that is because I have concluded that whites are not interested in ending the system of white supremacy. And really, in my opinion, That's what everything boils down to. I feel like that's a question that should be asked every time any white person that pops up, says they want to talk about racism or they've written a book or a blog or done a film or even if they haven't done it, even if they just say they want to talk about it. All white people sincerely interested in ending racism, white supremacy. That's why I try to ask that question uh, that we started off with to our white guests, because now we really start to get down all of this contact, not having contact. uh, You wrote in a different Uh, One of your blog posts, uh, we still live extremely racially segregated, both geographically and socially. For the most part, this segregation allows the perpetuation of racism and othering. Uh, Just the fact that from what I just heard and I'm reading, uh, which you wrote uh, in multiple spots, it is suggesting that somehow if we had more contact, that would push towards ending this problem. And that is absolutely fundamentally not true. It is a massive lie. I'm not saying that you're lying, but I just I hear this generally. And it's simply not true. It is a huge lie. And it's keeping us from solving this problem. White people who are dedicated to the practice of white supremacy, they can hang out. Even some of the examples that you gave, they can hang out with black people. They can have sex with a black person. They can adopt a black person. They can be the one white person in a whole town of niggers. And it doesn't mean anything other than I'm a racist. And I'm in a whole town of black people. That's not going to solve this problem. In my view, that's not even a part of why we have not made more progress in all of this. We need to get just to fundamentals about what it means to be white. Are white people going out of the business to practice of practicing white supremacy? If the answer to that question is no, they're not. They're dedicated to it. As I said in my definition, then that radically shifts all of these conversations and even how we go about processing these sort of things. I even, I encourage listeners, I don't use the terms, quote, unquote segregation and integration. They don't make sense to me. You do not integrate a system of white supremacy. You stop the mistreatment. That's what we should be focused on. Not how much contact we have. And again, I just, I cannot emphasize enough because whites are dedicated to the practice of white supremacy. Most of them, a good chunk of them, they're not interested in having a whole lot of contact with people they perceive as niggers, again, listen to the video that came out in Oklahoma. We're not interested in having any niggers in our fraternity, sorority, whatever the case may be. We are good. That is white identity. I'll just I'll just ask. We have people that call in and have questions. Uh, these are, are kind of quickies. Have you seen any evidence that white people collectively are sincerely interested in going out of the business of practicing global white supremacy? As a collective? Yes, sir. Absolutely not, okay, I appreciate the clarity right to it, bang, uh, and do you think it's logical, given that this system has been in place for so long, for non white people to have an extremely high level of suspicion of any and every white person, including yourself, given your response to the previous question
7: yeah, absolutely i mean i would I would be very cynical and skeptical. Of any white person myself. <laughs> yes. Uh
4: has a non white person ever suspected you of uh, practicing racism outside of this program? Um I
7: mean yeah, I'm sure they have. I I've never been told that uh to my face or but I'm I'm sure that has definitely
4: happened. But they've never told you. Uh no. Okay. Okay. Is it correct? Uh, I'll put it this way. My definition of a racist, uh, a white person who directly and or indirectly, consciously and or subconsciously mistreats someone because they are not white. By that definition, do you qualify? Are you a racist by that definition? Uh, No, I do not do that. You've never mistreated anyone directly indirectly consciously subconsciously uh because they were not white no okay
7: i mean maybe as a young child um there's like i can't say for my entire life uh you know we i I grew up in tennessee and part of my journey has been to try to be as reflective as possible and try to fight these things but I also I don't I can't remember even I can't remember a time that I treated someone differently or felt a negative way about someone just based on them not being white. Hmm.
4: Okay. Uh people have talked a lot about uh the fifty year anniversary of the assassination of Minister Malcolm X. Uh, We are reading his autobiography. Uh, Fifth study session is tomorrow. Uh, I have pointed out that he talks a lot, uh, I would say, at least through the first quarter, maybe even the first third of the book. One of the dominant themes is white sexual perversion uh, and the insatiable sexual appetite that whites have uh, for black males and black females. Uh, He talks about his own personal experience and various observations that he had, both his time in Lansing, Boston, uh, New York. Um, I think it's extremely important, and that's something that it's been my observation when I hear people discuss the book is generally left out. They might talk about his personal experience with Sophia, but in terms of his overall analysis uh, that he spends a lot of time on, I don't really hear much emphasis on that. Um that said, uh have you at any point engaged in any sort of sexual activity with a non white person? Um, I mean I just actually very
7: recently have entered a relationship with someone um who is not white. Uh but that was even in living in South Africa all those years that, that was uh a first time for me to be in a relationship. Uh, also, because I haven't been in that many relationships, but most of my especially adult life has been kind of consumed with work. Um, but but yeah, I I mean I've definitely seen this around that what you speak about around me, and um, especially in South Africa, there is even like this weird uh, phrasing about things uh, that. Local South Africans would sort of joke about about white Europeans or white Americans coming over for "quote the African experience" end quote. Um, so it is something that I'm aware
4: of that definitely happens. Hmm. You said uh, this current, or is this a current relationship with this non-white person, or is this something past? Yes. okay, Okay. Okay. Uh, is this male, female? Uh, female. Female. Does she? To the best of your knowledge, does she suspect you of being a racist?
7: Uh, I No, she does not suspect me of being a racist. Do you think she should? To the best of my knowledge.
4: Do you think she should? Uh, no, I don't think she should. You don't. I thought you said before I asked you if you thought it would be logical for non-white people to have a high level of suspicion of white people, even yourself. And you said yes. Isn't that so? Yes. Okay. So why why would this now not be the case for her? Why should she not have that same high level of suspicion for you?
7: Um, Well, we've known each other for a while, and I think uh, I mean it would it would. Probably be easier for her to speak on this because i'm i really not i I couldn't personally speak from her point of view but um uh we've known each other for a while and we're friends um longer than we have been in a relationship so mm-hmm.
4: uh do you think uh as long as the system of white supremacy racism exists that any sort of sexual activity between whites? and victims of white supremacy, non-white people, do you think that helps or works against the system of white supremacy, and how so? Helps or works against? Yes, sir. Um,
7: I mean, I, I guess it would depend on the, the nature and the, um, I guess the nature and the reason and the consent of, the parties involved in, in that sexual activity. Um, I don't, I don't think, uh, the exotification and objectification of, um, a black person by a white person, uh, that obviously is not good and obviously perpetuates, uh, white supremacy. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think it would depend on the nature of the actual relationship, and I don't know if that is something I could speak about generally um, for every single relationship, saying an absolute that yes, it works in favor,
4: or no, it does not. Hmm. Um, before I give my my thought on that, I just want to make sure that I get in, even though that is one component, uh, I would say a, a main component. A lot of a lot of this uh, sexual sewering that goes on when white people are uh, integrating the bedroom, so to speak, with non-white people. That is a major component of it. But that is not the only way that racism, white supremacy is manifest in these relationships. I think uh, tragic arrangements, I think uh, other ways that it is manifest in terms of white people, just their presence, in my opinion, confounds the non-white person's ability To be accurate honest about the system of white supremacy what it means to be white now you got somebody that you have an intimate relationship with who is going to really contaminate the way that you view whites Uh, i've concluded i mean sex is a powerful force is how people are born uh in my view a non-white person a black person particularly with all of the contamination that we have in the system of white supremacy and viewing whites as godlike and princes and princesses and everything else that that really contaminates the way that we see whites and just not being able to be accurate uh, about how it is that they've come to be in this position of global supremacy uh, and dominating us uh, and these relationships in my opinion have a really nefarious impact on our ability to be truthful about white supremacy Uh, that said i have concluded every single time uh these tragic arrangements They support, strengthen the system of white supremacy for many of the reasons that I just gave. Uh, In fact, I can quote just paying attention to the news. Harvard, they just made a new part of their policy, new code, if you will, that forbids sexual intercourse between professors and students because they said the power dynamic. This is incorrect. If you are a professor, you're taking advantage of someone. That is in a weaker power position than you are. And this is not something that we're going to tolerate on our campus and other uh, unless I've been misinformed. Other universities have similar policies in place. I'm not aware of a power dynamic greater than the system of white supremacy and the power differential between whites and non-whites globally on that basis alone. Regardless of how the individuals feel, whatever emotions are in place, how long they've known each other, that power dynamic is still in the bedroom when the lights go out. That alone makes these arrangements incorrect and the fact that there's a lot of evidence that non-white people have been duped frequently by whites who said that they were down, said that they were cool, definitely not racist, and it turns out that they actually were, even though they were in the bed, married, had a child with a non-white person. And I think there are many, 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 many illustrations of this behavior. Uh, Strom Thurmond just off the top of my head. Is anything I said, is it inaccurate? Is it not making sense? Is what I'm saying, logical?
7: Um. Yeah, I mean, it's, you're definitely uh, making some points that are giving me food
4: for thought. Huh. Okay. Just. <laughs> that would my list here. So I have at least uh, three things that I'd point out you being involved in a, a tragic arrangement, sexual arrangement with a non-white person. That would be another, uh, in my view, at least three different things during the course of this about our discussion that we've had that I would say, I think this could be evidence of Mr. Ryan Dalton practicing white supremacy, racism, because that seems to be one of the things that. Folks just can't find it. it is the Loch Ness monster of uh, white supremacy. You cannot find a white person other than the folks at Oklahoma and Donald Sterling. You can't find a white person that practices racism. It's very easy to find whites who have all kinds of privilege can get band aids. Don't get stopped by the police. They don't get followed around the store, but a white person who practices racism. Oh my, (laughs) that is, uh, as I said, the Loch Ness monster of racism, white supremacy, Uh, We have folks who dialed in who have questions. Uh, If you all have something you would like to ask Mr. Ryan Dalton, uh, feel free. Again, his blog, you can check out thoughtsofbrown.com. The number is 760-569-7676. And the code is 564-943-POUND. Press star 6. If you have a question, Uh, I think this is Thomas uh, and we have a lot of New York folks. I'm sure some folks uh, might be curious about your high school situation as well. I think this is Thomas in New York. Uh, Your line should be open, sir. Good to hear from you.
1: How are you doing, guys? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Great. Um, Quick couple questions for the caller. Um, I have a question for you, too, uh, uh, for later, though. Um, Mr. Dorley, how are you today, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm already right. been good. Um, do you think that black people can practice racism?
7: Um, no. Understanding, uh, understanding racism as a systemic issue and as white supremacy, then no, I do not think so. Okay. Um,
1: you lived some time in South Africa. So you said, um, do you think that um South African whites are more racist or just as racist as whites here in America?
7: Um, I mean, I would say it's it's pretty much the same. Um, it's just, even as racism manifested, looks different all over the, the country here. Um, it also looks different. It takes different faces there. It's the same white supremacy, but it takes different faces. Um, but when when I lived in South Africa, it was much, uh, they were much fresher out of apartheid. So uh, it ended in 94, and I lived there. Well, I first went there in 99, and then I moved there in 2000 and lived there until the end of 2010. So it was very fresh out of that time. So it, it was been kind of like living in the States in sort of the, I guess, the around the early seventies ish. Okay,
1: okay. Um interesting, okay. Um well my last question for you is um earlier you said that um there's a few people who when they're accused of um a few white people when they're accused of practicing racism or being a racist, um, they'll come back with something to the effect of they're showing pictures of done with black people or they adopted, adopted, um, uh, abducted black children, or married two blacks. Um, my question for you is: um, Are those people trying to prove that to black people, or are they trying to prove that they're not racist to other white people?
7: Um, I think it's. I think that that is for black people. I think that they think in their minds somehow that, like, if they show this picture or they um, profess this specific relationship that other black people will see that and say, oh, oh, well, obviously oh, not okay. oh, what were we thinking that I think that's, I think that's the idea. I'm not sure.
1: I got you. Okay. I thought that you meant that they, they were accused by other white people of being a racist. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. No. Okay. Got you. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, that's, that's all I have for this. Gus. Thank you.
4: Right on. Uh, The person that dialed in, I think this is our retired firefighter in uh, Florida. Did you have a question for Mr. Dalton? Yes. Greetings. Hi there.
8: Mr. Mr. Dalton, uh, are you familiar with the second president of the United States? I believe it was Thomas Jefferson. Uh, Yes. Uh, Mr. Jefferson was famously known for having sex with a non-white victim of racism, it's supremacy, by the name of Sally Hemings, I believe. Are you aware of that? Yes. Uh, uh, do you consider... Sorry, no, sorry. sorry do you consider? Sorry. Do you consider uh, Mr. Jefferson as being a white supremacist and a practitioner of
7: racism, practicing do racism. I consider that? Do I consider that Jefferson, a uh, white supremacist? Yes, and, and by having yeah, sex with Ms. Hemmings, uh, he was
8: practicing in the most in the most, uh, form, uh, white supremacy. when you uh, have yeah, with, uh, did you say yes,
7: sir? Uh, yeah, I, I consider him definitely white supremacist, and that was also, uh, I believe he owned many slaves as well at the time, or enslaved people, sorry, um, So, yeah, also based on that, it was very uh, clear that he was a definite white supremacist.
8: And I believe I heard you say that uh, we're still, uh, non-white people are still under a system of racist white supremacy? Sorry? I believe I heard you say, and you can confirm this for me, that you think that you understand that we're still under a non-white people, meaning we're still under a system, a global system of racism, white supremacy? Yes. Is there any difference between yourself and Mr. Jefferson being you have admitted that you are having sex under a system of racism, white supremacy, as a white person with a non-white person?
7: Um I just want to make clear, first of all, I never um, said anything about having sex with uh, the person that I'm in a relationship with, but even if that was true, um i he, as a slave owner owning a person, I think that i, I do I do acknowledge the power dynamic that you guys are speaking of, um but I think there's also a big difference in. Uh, two consenting adults in this era and a, a slave owner who has a relationship with the slave, I think there is a difference in that. What do you mean when you say adult?
8: Sorry? What do you mean, I heard you say the word adult. What do you mean when, when you say the word adult?
7: Uh, I mean it um, in the, I guess, the form of the law, Um, uh, someone over the age of consent.
8: Under the system of racism and white supremacy, can a non-white person be a victim of racism, white supremacy, and an adult at the same time? And if so, How? Wait, sorry. Can you repeat the question? Under a global system of racism, white supremacy, can a non-white person be a victim of racism and an adult at the same time? Uh, yes, of course. Can you explain how? In the most and before you go about explaining, don't say too many complicated words. Uh, give me, uh, I am a victim of racism, and I'm not that smart, so you have to break it down thoroughly from my understanding on how a non-white person under the system of racial and white supremacy can be an adult and a victim
7: at the same time. Well, racism can affect anyone of any age, and as we spoke about earlier on in the show, it's In all of the different aspects of life. Um, And so, an adult in any moment of any day can very well be affected by racism in numerous different ways. You said anyone? Um, Well, any, yeah, any grown adult. I'm specifically talking about
8: non-white people. Can a non-white person be a victim of racism, white supremacy, that's the only form it comes in, I've heard you admit that, and be an adult at the same time? Uh, Yes, I I say yes.
7: Explain how. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm not sure what exactly. I'm not sure what exactly you want me to explain. I thought
8: I, I thought I just gave you that. If, if an, if, if, does an adult have the ability not to be harmed by? Another person that wants to, uh, impact upon them, uh,
7: racism. Does the adult have the ability not to be harmed? Pardon? I'm just trying to get clarification. Are you saying, does the adult have the ability not to be harmed? By racism. Yeah, I...
8: No, I'm trying to get you to, to reveal to us, how can a person be an adult and be victimized by a system of racism? Was uh, Ms. Henning, was,
7: uh, was Ms. Henning an, an adult? Sorry, you broke up a little bit. I... Was Ms. Henning an adult? Uh yes. Well actually I'm I, I don't actually know her age so I'm not sure. Does it matter? Is it 27? I, I you racism? <laughs> I you just asked me I I don't know I am not aware of her age.
8: Anyway, uh moving on. Uh I, I saw a picture of you. I believe in a picture of you.
7: Uh that uh Gus has on his website. Is that correct? Um, possibly. Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't seen the website. Uh, you, you, it's, it's, a picture.
8: You, you look to be bald at the top of your head, but you, but you have a full beard. You have a full beard. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Could you tell me? Uh, could you had a? You had
7: what is called a. Afro comb in your beard. Can you tell me uh, a few significance of that? Um, actually, a friend gave that to me, and we took that picture just for fun, and I just used it as my Twitter avatar. Because I, I do use that to comb my beard.
8: Uh, uh, one more
7: question. Uh
8: one more question: Do you do you think that when a white person that has a uh, an understanding of racism, white supremacy, to the level that that you're willing to admit, uh, uh, does that uh, have a uh, what kind of reaction you notice that comes from non-white black people? Um, I mean. It's when they when they come in contact with a white person like yourself who has uh, because uh, as far as what I hear you have you have just about uh, uh, a better understanding of race and white supremacy than most black people. Uh, what what uh, type of reaction do you you normally get when you are around black people?
7: Um, it's it's mixed, uh, but for the most part, um, just it's kind of what seems like a, just good relationships um, I did have a uh, I, I have interesting situations um, where even some black people think that I'm being ridiculous talking about white supremacy um, and I don't know that's, that's also happens. It's it's a wide variety, but for the most part, um, I would say um, embraced and um, yeah, I, I I enjoy conversations about race and racism in America. Um, and it did you did, did you say that you 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 get embraced? Uh yeah, I said I get embraced.
4: Uh, I thought so. Uh huh. Uh huh. We will. Uh, if, if, I just wanted to make no, sure no, 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 you to get our other callers in. I appreciate the uh, the questions, a uh, retired firefighter. Uh I, I do not get embraced <laughs> for talking about racism <laughs> from other black people. Just make sure I get that <laughs> in uh, for the record. Uh, greetings, Shani. Good to hear from you. But, yeah, I, I do not get uh, embraced. I am that crazy nigger over there. Uh, right. Call <laughs> at uh, 7537, 7537, did you have a question for uh, Mr. Dalton?
9: Yes, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes, Mr. Dalton, um, do you consider racism, white supremacy a crime? Uh, yes. And who will be the perpetrators of that crime? Uh,
7: well, our entire society, um, white people, and the, I would say, uh, it goes. Way back,
9: so it so you're saying that white people are the perpetrators of white supremacy, and thus they are the perpetrators of the
7: of a crime. Um, I mean, I would say yes, it's it's criminal. I, I would say that as it's many different forms and the way that it manifests itself, those those are the things that are easy to pinpoint as. What I would consider the actual crimes, what, what it what white supremacy looks like manifested in different um, in different ways, shapes, and forms in society. I would say that's what the crime is. But white supremacy in and of itself, as well, um, is yeah definitely uh, at the very least um,
9: horrible evil. Okay. So who gets to define what a crime is?
7: Well, I mean, that's, that's the problem, right? I mean, that's, that's sort of the, the issue that we face. And even if you look at laws in our society and the way um, people and groups of people are policed and then the way uh, certain laws are enforced and certain things have weight that don't, and even if you look at the history of that, um... And uh, it's, it, it's very obvious that the people making the laws were people who had a definite, specific agenda in mind. And that, in America, can be traced all the way back to slavery and before slavery. So you're saying
9: that white people are the... White people get to define where crime is. Is that correct?
7: Um I'm saying the the people in charge um of and are they white laws and legislation uh yeah, predominantly in america i mean we see we see legislators who are not white uh in America, but historically and traditionally in america um it was the white male okay um so
9: you're saying the white people. Are per- perpetrators of what uh, a, a participants of white supremacy, and white supremacy is a great is the, is a crime. But white people also get to define what a crime is. So, do you think it's correct to for white people to call black people criminals if they are per- perpetrators of a crime, and that crime is white supremacy?
7: Um, I mean, I don't, in the way that you're asking it, I'm actually, I'm not quite sure. Um, can you, can you rephrase that one more time? Can you say it again?
9: If white people are participants of the global system of racism, white supremacy, and that system, racism, white supremacy is a crime. And they, and they, white people, including you, yourself, that you define what a crime is. Do you think it's correct for white people to to refer to black people as criminals?
7: Um, well, I, I think a person referring to a black person as a criminal would not be referring to a criminal of white supremacy. Um, I think no, but it isn't not ironically.
9: Isn't racism white supremacy? A doesn't racism white supremacy effect, uh, affect everyone on the planet, including white people, uh, including black people?
7: Sorry, can you repeat that again?
9: I'm asking: Do you think that white racism white supremacy does that affect black people in a way that produces incorrect behavior?
7: Um. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yes.
9: So, if racism and white supremacy is a crime, and white people are the participants of that system, are the perpetrators, and they get to define what a crime is, do you think that do you think it's correct to call a black person who is responding to racism and white supremacy as a criminal?
7: I mean, i I look at I look at it, and I would more want to look at specific. Um, injustices related to racial injustice and the, the, the specific laws that are, that are targeting black people and that are disproportionately targeting black people. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think in general, our, our prison system is messed up in America. Um, and I, it's, it's turned into, um, uh, a uh, business i mean we we incarcerate more people in America than any other country in the world from that i'm aware of, and yes um a vast majority are disproportionately black um but i don't yeah i don't i'm not sure how else to i'm not i'm not sure exactly um what
4: how to answer your question. Uh I'll oh, I'll leave it at that. Thank you, Gus. Okay. Right on. Uh caller in Alabama. Does you have a question for Mr. Dalton?
10: Um yes, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Um uh, yes, I was listening earlier um to Mr. Dalton and um he made a statement that the system of white supremacy is not as clear as it was in the 60s. I think that you was, were was talking about how it makes no sense for some white people to say that they had no knowledge of the system of white supremacy, also known as racism. When they looked at when there were signs hanging up and things of that nature. And he said, well, it's not As prevalent as it was back then. So, you know, you don't think many white people might not have knowledge of it. So Mr. Dawson, I'm be very quick with, I just want to ask you a few questions. Um, I could agree with the fact that you said that all white people do not know that the system of white supremacy exists. Um, I would say like babies, newborn babies, Um, someone who is very mentally ill and is classified as white, Um, a very old person who probably has Alzheimer's and and is mentally ill also, you know, so I would agree they probably, you know, they probably would not, you know, understand the system of white supremacy because they're not even, they they don't have the full, um, Functions of the mind, but aside from that, I don't think it's logical for me to believe that a mentally healthy white person is ignorant of it. Um, question I have to ask you about is is it not is it not as clear as it was back in the sixties or fifties. Um, like most American white people, are they familiar how Europeans gained
7: control
10: of this country known as the United States?
7: Um, no, I mean, growing up, so that's, that's, that's kind of um, a huge, not kind of, that is a huge issue. Uh, we're still very much fed uh, a Eurocentric, imperialistic, white supremacist, uh, perspective of history um, and so growing up in like a white suburban area, you grow up not hearing as the people who came over from Europe as imperialists and people who um, led to the complete genocide of indigenous people of america um you don't you don't hear of them as as murderers and rapists you you hear of them as heroes and um just hearing that you're from Alabama, I even, I, I I was just in Montgomery over the weekend, and, um, you know, even there, the it, white, the, 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 like, manifest visuals of white supremacy is still very, uh, prevalent in the South. Uh, I saw at the, the Capitol, a huge statue of Jefferson Davis, um, and I saw the White House of the Confederacy there. Um, I saw uh, Confederate flags. I think you. Around. I think
10: I think you avoided my question. I think you avoided my question.
7: Okay, sorry. So, so ask. please ask it again.
10: Uh, the question was very simple. I said, "People who have control of their mental faculties." you know, who, their mind works right and everything, they're Caucasians or white. Yeah. I said, do they know how Europeans came and colonized this country? Do they know how Europeans came and colonized it from Native Americans? Do they know or do they have no idea? Do they think that just Caucasians always been here and they never took it from Native Americans?
7: Yeah, so I'll I'll try to answer in a more less long-winded way um they yes, know man. but they're not they're not fed the story of those people as colonizers in the sense that we know the term colonizers it they're fed the story of that those people are heroes and it's definitely based in white supremacy um but it's not it's not based on white do they, the teach, that James, do they um,
10: teach do they teach that Jameson was a colony
7: um yeah, they do. But they oh, again, for real? oh okay. So go so, ahead, no, yeah. So what I'm saying is they do teach about colonizers and absolutely they they speak about it in that way, but in in the sort of idea of manifest destiny which is still taught in schools, they teach about it in the sense of not this atrocious thing that happened, but this like Great, of course, Expansion.
10: of course, of, not, of course, so. of course, of course, of course, of course, I feel you on that. Because if yeah. I'm gonna rob somebody, I'm gonna romanticize it. I'm gonna be like, right? Of course, no, nah, it wasn't wrong. I'm not. I'm not asking you. Did they say it was wrong? See, that's why yeah. I believe you're trying to divert from because you. I think you understand that, that time is precious, especially on the radio show. So that's why I think you're on purposely being long-winded about my answers. But it's not the fact. I'm not. I didn't ask you. Did they teach that was colonialism wrong? I asked you, did they teach about colonies and colonialism? And you stated no, and then you went back and you stated yes, they do teach that Town was a colony. But to get to my point is, so you're saying, stop me, if I'm lying, stop me though. So you're saying that they do have knowledge that this country was colonized by Europeans, right? Well, let me be more specific. White people are Caucasians. Yes, they, yeah, they absolutely do. Okay. So, since they understand that this country has not been given back to the indigenous people, how is it not evident that the same system is no different than the 60s, the 1960s, 1860s, 1760s, and the 1660s? It's, you know, y'all still control it? That's like If I steal steal something from you and I still got it, and you know you see me driving in your car every day, and I'm going to be like, man, it was not as bad as it was at first, but I'm still, I didn't give you your car back yet. I don't think you'll be honest when you say that they have no idea. Because I think they have a very, very good idea about what's going on. But like you said, they don't see it as wrong because they enjoy it. It benefits them to commit genocide and colonize. But um, I continue to listen to you and I'll mute my line, mute my line but I'm, I'm listening to you, though, um, Mr. Dalton. And thanks, Gus.
4: For sure. For sure. Uh, the person that dialed in last four digits two eight three eight two eight three eight. Did you have a question for Mr. Dalton? Yes, can I
11: be heard? Yes, sir. All right. So I, I uh, had a series of questions that I wanted to ask. Uh, just really basic yes or no questions. So thank you for being a guest on the cows and greetings to guests and the listeners. Uh, my first question uh, to you, Mr. Dalton, is who is more confused about racism, and white supremacy, white people or non-white black people? Who is more confused? Yes. Who's more confused about racism, and white supremacy, white people or non-white pe- or non-white black people? Um, I have no idea. I'm not sure about that one. Okay. Do you believe that kidnapping millions of people from another country by force will constitute an act of war? Uh, yes. Do you agree that keeping those people and their children will make those people prisoners of war? Yes. Do you think that a history of oppression upon the black population by white people suggests an uneven balance of power in favor of white people? Yes. Who has more power, white people or black people collectively in the world today? Uh, White people. Do you believe that white supremacy is the act of white people guarding their power over other non-white people? Yes. Do you think it is appropriate for a prison guard to be in any kind of a romantic li- relationship with the prisoner in their prison? A prison guard? Yes. No. Do you believe a prison guard would ever voluntarily relinquish their power
7: to their prisoners? Um, I, I don't think so. <laughs> Not if they don't want to lose their job. As long as there is not a balance of
11: power, do you think it is appropriate to be in a relationship with someone in your group, whom are classified as white, holds as a prisoner of war? Say that again. As long as there is not a balance of power, do you think it is appropriate to be in a relationship with someone in your group, whom, uh, <clears throat> whom your group classifies, or whom your group, which is classified as white, posed as a prisoner of war. Do you think it's appropriate to be in a relationship with that type of a person? Um, if, if it's a prisoner of war, then no. Okay. Would you say prisoners who have been prisoners, uh, so long that they do not understand that they are prisoners are people that are confused?
7: Um, yeah, I mean, that sounds confused. Yeah. Okay, so the
11: act of white people stealing and kidnapping African people from the continent of Africa and keeping them as prisoners of war, never releasing them, never giving them the means to understand that they have been prisoners of war for the past 400 years, do you think it's appropriate to be in a relationship with somebody who
7: is non-white? I still think that that's the choice of the what you're calling non-white individual, if that's something that they choose to do. So
11: you think it then is uh, appropriate for, because we just clarify, unless I'm confused, you just clarify for me that it would be wrong for someone to be with their prisoner because of an imbalance of power. So if we've never been released as a people and we know that white supremacy it's about guarding their power over the people they are oppressing. Why would you choose to be with somebody who you know is confused and you have more power over because of your people oppressing us as non white people and that uh, I'll end my 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 line of questions and, and listen offline. Thank you uh,
4: the caller at three zero six eight three zero six eight. Hey. Hey, sir so Gus. Yes, sir. Um, I actually, and
7: probably in about eight minutes, should be should wrap up. I'm not sure how long your show goes.
4: Eight minutes will be um, great. We'll uh, get in okay. the last two callers. All right, great. Uh, Three zero six eight. Did you have a question for Mister Dalton?
5: Yes. Um, evening, uh, Mister Dalton. Um, as you just discussed with the previous caller about war, um, you know why people waged war on black people you've won the war you've maintained the prisoners can you name three uh spoils of this war that you've gotten as a result of dominating us three main spoils of war
7: that i have gotten
5: that white people enjoy as a result of the war that you've waged against uh black people and won it and as you discussed with the last uh, caller, we are prisoners of this war. Name three spoils that you enjoy as a result of dominating us, winning the war.
7: Um. Well, I can. White I can people speak as a of, whole. Okay, white people as a whole. Um, I would say power in and of itself is something that people enjoy. Uh, people of all types, but if we look at the situation, I think power would be one, uh, resources, uh, and access to resources is one. And that's all different types from, uh, social resources to material wealth, um, things like that. And, um, I think related, but not maybe exactly the same as opportunities, um, and social fluidity, um, would be,
5: uh, the third, did you Because generally, when uh, countries wage wars against other countries or other peoples, sex with the females and males of the losing team is one of the spoils of the war. Do you feel like white people uh, are enjoying this spoil when they are sexually uh, in, in quote unquote sexual relationships? I don't like to use the word relationship, but having sex with black people all around the world.
7: Um, I mean, I can imagine that white people are enjoying having sex, uh, sexual interactions with black people. Yes. Yeah.
5: Would you include yourself in that number?
7: Um, I would not say that I specifically enjoy sexual interactions with any specific. I, I, I don't, my enjoyment is not based on someone's
4: race or, yeah, skin color, so.
7: Okay,
5: okay, thank you, Gus. I'm, I'm done.
4: The person that dialed in, uh, last four digits, 0586. Uh, 0586, if you had a question for Mr. Dalton, your line should be open.
12: Hi, my apologies. I, I'm just listening. My apologies for
4: pressing one. All right, on we'll live. Uh, the person that dialed in seven nine seven eight seven nine seven eight. Did you have a question for Mr. Dalton? Hello. Yes, ma'am.
2: Hi. Um, hi, Ryan. How are you?
4: I'm good. How are you?
2: I'm doing good. Um, I just have one question for him. Um, you did say previously that you were dating. Um, Uh, A non-white black female, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, Have you dated? Is this the first non-white black female you dated? Yes. Oh, it is? Okay. That's all to say. Thanks, guys.
4: Mm-hmm. Person that dialed in from a blocked number. Did you have a question for Mr. Dalton?
0: Yeah. Can Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, is it Mr. Dalton? Yes, sir. Um, you said that sometimes, you know, black people think you're being uh, ridiculous when you talk about racism, white supremacy. Uh, what, what What is it that you tell them? When,
7: when... Um, I mean, the same type of conversation, like what we're having right now uh, and what the show has been about, uh, there are certain people, white and black, who have kind of called me crazy, or I'm um, focused too much on race, or I talk too much about racism, um, and that's, that's
0: both white and black, so that would be... No, my question it would be, is, I'm sorry, you might not have understood my question, my question is to the black people that say that you're being ridiculous when you talk about racism, white supremacy, um, my question is, what what do you tell them when, when, when they say "Oh, that? what"? how do I respond
7: to them saying that? Right, how do you... Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, uh, it's really, it's not my place to push or, you know, try to, like. I, I usually just kind of end with a, uh, well, we don't see eye to eye on this, and so that's fine. Um, I have a uh, one of my friends, one of my good friends' friends is um, a very conservative black conservative Republican Christian and. He, you know, was very much pro-George Bush and all that, and we have gotten in many discussions, um, and we rarely see eye-to-eye on those things, and in the end, it just kind of ends with us sort of realizing that neither of, neither of us agree with each other, and we just kind of it at that. Um,
0: how how often are you around white uh, um exclusively exclusively um at this at this stage in life very rarely um i am it would be i would say every well my question is can you recall can you recall uh, the last time you were with only white people and them talking about uh black people no blacks were around if they were talking about black people um do you recall what they were saying about black people uh, no, the the last time uh that it was
7: something extreme like that was um situations like I spoke about in South Africa. I don't know if you um were listening at that point, that was quite a while ago now, but um that would have been the last that was many years ago. Um but I haven't been in that situation in many, many years that uh exclusively white people are speaking about
0: black people in a drug way. Um, do you know any uh do you know any preppers white people that are preppers you say preppers or crackers preppers preppers like doomsday preppers
7: yeah um uh, not personally i know I know one guy who um during the whole y two k thing uh had prepared for that, but i don't think he's preparing for
0: anything. Anymore, um, I don't know any, no, I do not I do not know any preppers. You know any white people that talk about uh, a, a doomsday type of zombie scenario or anything like that? Um,
7: only the Twitter
0: trolls in my mentions that often <laughs> find their way to my mentions, uh, but not personally, no. They find your way to your, your mentions and say what? Uh, the Twitter trolls? just what, what 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 are they talking about what do they what do they say um they
7: i mean they they i, I something that i commonly see on twitter is this uh hashtag white genocide um and it's this fear amongst very extreme white people uh that believe that there's going to be um, this genocide against all white people um so occasionally one of those people will, when I'm speaking about white supremacy, I guess they search certain hashtags and words um, and, and, see, and collections of words. So when I've been speaking about certain topics, they've kind of come at me and said just crazy stuff and accused me of being all kinds of
0: racist things and whatever. You don't think that could happen. Would it, you say you live in New York? Yes yeah like if what if the power goes out in new york for like you know i mean or or you know new york um and 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 surrounding areas like what what do you what do you think is gonna happen and let's say uh you know as far as the, the the dynamic of black people and white people you think is what, what do you think or how you think you're gonna be able to, you know you have a white uh i mean you have a non white um Person you're dating, so you know the power goes out. You're in your you're in your date. You're in your person that you're dating, um, are together, and it's been it's been three days. What 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 do you think uh, would happen in that scenario in that case?
7: I have no idea. I guess we would go and look for ways to get food or
0: whatever needed to happen. <laughs> Would you ditch? Would you ditch the uh, non-white uh, female, knowing that? No, uh, I mean it, I wouldn't it, ditch anybody that. that power. No, absolutely
7: not. I'm, I'm not a fan of the white people
0: in power <laughs> at all. Did, did, are you white? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, thanks for um, taking my call, Gus.
4: Right on. Uh, Folks can visit his blog, uh, thoughtsofbrown.com, should be linked in the description, thoughtsofbrown.com, to see more of his uh, blog posts and writings about various aspects of racism, white supremacy. Uh, Glad you could share a bit of your Thursday evening with us. Mr. Dalton, enjoyed the exchange. Hopefully folks learned uh, quite a bit. Uh, Appreciate you sharing some of your time with us, sir. Thank you very much for sure. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and uh, we will be in touch. Perhaps we can have you back on the program down the road to continue the dialogue. Okay, great. Have a great evening. Thank you, sir. Evening. All right. Context of white supremacy. Um, I know some of the folks, uh, at least Facebook followers, uh, are aware of uh, Eric Foner. Uh His book just came out, uh, Get Away to Freedom. Uh, which talks extensively about what is uh, known as the underground railroad uh, and black people trying to escape enslavement. Uh, And uh, at least the interview that I heard, he made uh, a point of emphasis that New York was not a safe spot uh, that you had kidnappers and uh, folks who that was their job whites. This was what they did to make a living was to go out uh, and snatch black people who were trying to escape uh, enslavement uh, and that New York was not a free spot. And he even contrasted by how people think of uh, the stuff at Ellis Island with the Statue of Liberty. And, you know, you come here, give us your tired, your poor, your meek, and you come to New York to get freedom. That, I think, is the uh, iconic beginning uh, to The Godfather, too, that Mr. Fuller uh, always references uh, his father uh, coming to Ellis Island and seeing the Statue of Liberty that for black people it was the exact opposite like gotta get the hell out of here this is not safe uh, gotta keep it moving gotta keep it moving get get as far north as you possibly can because uh, you could be snatched uh, even if you are a quote unquote free black person you could be kidnapped snatched anything uh, could go down uh, he talked about that extensively but the reason I brought that up is that that book uh, it just came out it is already a New York Times bestseller I could be in error but I don't think droves of black people went out and bought this book. I think it's a whole lot of white people went out and bought this book. Uh, Eric Foner, Pulitzer Prize writing historian. Uh, he's written about uh, Abraham Lincoln, the 150 year anniversary of his assassination is coming up. Uh, he's written about what they call reconstruction, a uh, very knowledgeable white person about the history of racism, white supremacy. But uh, just to further emphasize that uh, I'm just of the opinion that is malarkey of the highest order. White people are not ignorant about racism, white supremacy. They make time to study and refine their system of terrorism. That said, uh, since the whole aspect of uh, enslaving black people was brought up and the sex thing, that's this another representation right here of why I say for the compensatory calling on Saturdays, we're not talking about area 8 sexual intercourse because that comes up all the time. Uh you we're not going to miss the opportunity to discuss and reflect on that, believe me. That train is never late. Uh you can just you can set your watch by that when you will get many opportunities to address the importance and significance of that. That's why I'm perfectly fine with uh, not allowing time for that on the Saturday call in because there are many other topics that are just as important that do not get the same attention, uh, a workplace racism being one in the forefront. Uh, but this is Dr. Robert Jensen. Uh, he was on the program mm, a few years back and, uh, he was talking about this sexual dynamic. Uh, and in fact he talked about how frequently when he speaks to whites, they get furious, uh, when saying that Thomas Jefferson just de facto Is a racist anytime a white person is engaged in any sort of sexual activity with a non-white person uh, who is subject to this overwhelming force of power uh, that that, you know, consent is out of the window, that it's automatically rape. Uh, I thought this would be timely uh, just given the uh, discussion today. We'll get that our commercial and then uh, we should have uh, time if folks have any uh, thoughts they would like to share from what they heard from Mr. Dalton, context of white supremacy. We will be right back.
6: This is one of the things that, when I talk about it in public, I often, <coughs> excuse me, get the most hateful reaction from white people. So <laughs> wow. everybody, everybody understands, of course, that the, the condition of slavery, as you just pointed out, is is the absence of consent. Nobody consents to be a slave. So when when we ask, you know, do slaves consent to go work in the fields? Well, of course not. That's the nature of slavery, and that's true across the board. It's not just about work; it's about any interaction with a master. Therefore, any sexual contact between a master and a slave is essentially a case of rape. Now, most people would agree with that, and we talk actually in in our history classes about how the white plantation owner would go into the slave quarters and rape women who were in uh, that condition of slavery. But even though we'll say that in kind of a general way, that's very difficult for some people to recognize when it's applied to a specific white person, especially a revered white figure like Thomas Jefferson. So here's Thomas Jefferson, who's the author of the Declaration of Independence and our third president and, you know, this much revered figure somebody people have a lot of respect for, a lot invested in their ideas about Thomas Jefferson. Yet, it's undoubtedly true that now, because of the DNA evidence and other forms of evidence, that we know that Thomas Jefferson had sexual relations with Sally Hemings, a woman he owned. That means, by definition, Thomas Jefferson raped Sally Hemings. So now, Even though the logic of that is, I think, beyond question, as you just pointed out, because Thomas Jefferson is such a a heroic figure in American history for white people, white people often simply cannot accept that. So they'll talk about how he and Sally had a loving relationship, and, and all of these attempts to gloss over the fact that, in fact, Thomas Jefferson owned her, and that when she was you know submitted to sexual relationships with him it was in that conditions of master and slave um, I don't know exactly why but there's something about Thomas Jefferson and his status that that when you make that claim it, it drives white people crazy <laughs> that's not to say that's not to say that I mean I don't know anything obviously about the psychology of that Hennings. I you know haven't been able to talk to her obviously so I can't speak to how that relationship looked to her nor can any of us obviously because of course she's long dead so we don't know how she experienced this but we do know the, the, the legal status that she had in relationship to Thomas Jefferson at the time and therefore I think to say that Thomas Jefferson's race is a perfectly it's historically accurate Um, logical, as you pointed out. But that doesn't mean people, you know, like to hear it.
4: (laughs) I mean, we cannot be saying this guy is a raping... I mean, we'd be calling him Dominic (laughs) Strauss-Kahn.
6: Well, there's a lot in common there, isn't there?
2: The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. Worldafropedia.com.
10: racismdaily.com your number one source for global news reports on race racism and overt actions of white supremacy from asia to the Americas to europe to australia to africa racism is not a thing of the past it is our current reality be informed be globally informed you should be the first to know racismdaily.com racismdaily.com racismdaily.com
0: Is
13: racism hurting you? On issues of race, are you unable to speak, think and act with clarity and confidence? Are you tired of laughing when nothing is funny, smiling when you are not happy, agreeing when you really disagree? counterracism.com you can learn specific strategies and techniques to counter the behaviors of the people who practice racism in all areas of activity using words correctly following counterracist logic even counter-racist science projects designed to reveal what racism is how it works and how to counter it the open source code writing format allows you to pick and choose from a variety of counterracist suggestions so you can produce the code that works for you Stop by counterracism.com today, and help replace racism with justice.
2: That's counter-racism.com.
1: Do you need a one-stop shop for all of your multimedia needs? Triumphant Multimedia is a skilled team of professionals with a passion for great marketing and chic design. Our specialties include consulting, brand development, copywriting, and creative graphic design that's second to none. We also offer photography, photo retouching, videography, and video editing. At Triumphant Multimedia, our goal is to provide highly effective creative solutions built to suit any individual need or budget. Give us a call at 678-732-8067 or check us out online at TRI Multimedia. Multimedia.com.
12: Hi, everyone. Welcome. This is Justice with the Cows Radio program. If you want to learn about, understand, and counter racism, white supremacy, be sure not to miss a cows episode. We keep them jammed, packed with constructive information. To sharpen your use of words, to help eliminate the system of racism, white supremacy, ASAP. Also, to be able to invest in my counter racist efforts, co-hosting the Cows Radio program, please visit my blog, just do justice You're just saying
4: just buckets and buckets of work. Context of white supremacy. Uh, we should be back tomorrow. Fifth installment, uh, Minister Malcolm X, his autobiography. Uh, we are in the middle of chapter 10. Uh, we're about a third of the way through the book. We still have quite a ways to go, uh, but definitely uh, tune in. Same program time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, all the folks uh, who spent the last uh, month or so reflecting uh, on his legacy and writing about him in different forms and what have you, I think is a great time, uh, particularly with everything that has happened as well, uh, since we're still dealing with the same problem that he was concerned with. A great time to uh, revisit his autobiography and uh, see what lessons uh, we can take forward to help solve the problem. Uh, But that'll be tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern 5 p.m. Pacific Uh, some of our listeners uh, they have uh, ceased spectating Uh, they're working together they have a blog site you can check out thecodeconnection.org where they're looking uh, to use this as a resource site for folks who have constructive information uh, that they would like to share uh, where you can write Uh, if you are doing projects anything uh, where you can put it here uh, for the folks who've been trying to network and find other people that might be in your specific geographic location, uh, if you want to met, uh, network, uh, exchange views, uh, maybe see if you can get enough folks together where you all could be doing something as a group uh, to, to try to solve problems and work against racism, and white supremacy in your area. Uh, all of that uh, could be at this one spot, uh, the code connection dot org. Uh, they're looking for folks uh, who don't want to be spectators, uh, who want to contribute. Uh, in some form or fashion, uh, you can go to the website, check it out. They should have, uh, contact information available, uh, where you can drop them a line and, uh, get in touch. If you, uh, would like to contribute, uh, or just get more information, uh, definitely check it out. The code Uh, and I have contact info for folks. If you uh, are so interested, Uh, Let me know if you uh, get lost, confused, can't find the website, whatever the case may be. But I definitely want to encourage folks, don't be spectators. Uh, If you get information about racism, white supremacy, uh, try to share and use that to uh, help solve problems. The goal of replacing white supremacy with justice. I also wanted to make sure that I got in uh, the name calling. I'm sure there are people who are. Uh, followers uh, either on the cows group or my Facebook page or either of the cows groups. Uh, And I've, you know, noted this before Uh, people have a grand old time, uh, whether they listen to the program or not. uh, And they go on and, you know, have fun calling other victims of white supremacy names. Uh, I have not seen uh, in the years, centuries that we've been dealing with this problem where name calling other black people makes things In any way, shape, or form, better for black people. I have not seen anybody where things worked out better for them, where they got, you know, a business license. They were able to start an independent school for black people. They were able to start a business and hire 500 black people. They were able to start a black owned airline that was successful and traveled around the world. I have not seen where any of those things, the genesis, was calling another black person a name. I'm not aware of that. If you know, help me out. Um, But regardless, even if you can cite an example, that's not something that I endorse. So if you feel that's something that you have to participate in, name-calling other black people, do not do it on my page. Uh, I'm not entertaining any of that if i see it on my facebook page uh i'm going to find the unfriend button quickly uh so you can you know ride do that on your own page do it on somebody else's page same thing if you're doing it in the groups uh you're going to be banned uh just uh, it is the worst uh that's something i really think that is so simple it's not saying that you have to love the black i'm not saying you got to go and hug and love every black person and agree with everything that they're saying not hardly just no name calling It's tons of black people. I don't agree with things that they're saying or doing. I'm not going to sit around and invest any time name calling them because I have not seen where that's going to make my situation better at all. I could be in error, but that's what it is. uh, And that's what's going to take place uh, for the stuff going down on my Facebook pages or any other uh, social networking sites. One thing that I did want to point out uh, from Mr. Dalton, uh, I meant to bring it up while he was here, but I kind of cut some of my questions short to make sure that uh, we were able to get all of the folks who dialed in with a hand up, which I think we were able to accomplish. Uh, He cited, I said uh, on his blog, he references like uh, Derek Bell who wrote Faces at the Bottom of the Well uh, and Bell Hooks and James Baldwin and, and a myriad of other Black people, black authors, uh, many of them did, not all obviously with bell hooks. uh, But I have said this is something that whites do on a regular basis. They number one is demonstrating that they're not ignorant. These folks have done their research. Uh, They have sat around and read these books. I think when we've had. Uh, the legendary admitted racist Timothy Wise on the program, he said he'd read Mr. Fuller's code book. He'd read Dr. Welsing's, the ISIS papers. He'd read Dr. Remember, Anis need amongst code. many other texts uh, that in my opinion, it has been consistent where whites, they are reading this material. They're not uninformed about racism, white supremacy. And it's been my experience that that impacts black people, victims of racism, where we think, Oh, they've read bell hooks or, you know, any of these other scholars, whomever, you know, you have some regard for, wow, this white person is down. This white person is cool. This white person is not a racist and nothing could be further from the truth. That's one of the things that I observe that happens when they do this. The second, consistently they will reference a black person, a victim of racism, and one aspect of what they thought about racism, white supremacy, frequently it will be something that is not accurate. And what it sets up is a dynamic where if you point out, hey, what you're saying is not accurate, they go, well, are you going to disagree? I'm just going to throw it around. If uh, I'll say me, if it was something I re- are you going to disagree with Gus? Uh, or I'll say Pam because I know she's cool. Uh, are you going to disagree with Pam? My goodness, she wrote this in such a and frequently they'll do it for a black person that's dead. So it'll be, you know, Madiba, it'll be Steve Biko, uh, it'll be Ida B. Wells, it'll be a black person that can't even defend themselves or explain what it is that is being cited that they're trying to justify. But that's something that I have noted for years, uh, before we were even on the air. It was just I was catching that on a regular basis. And it's not every time it'll be something that's incorrect, but I would say the it's not ninety percent, but it's close. There is a high percentage of this happening where it is something that is simply not accurate and it is legitimized because it's attached to a revered victim of racism who did what they could. The same as, you know, everybody, myself included, did what they could to try to work against the system. But we're all trying to figure our way out of mass confusion that is a deliberate aspect of how racism, white supremacy operates, where white people burn midnight oil to make sure we don't have clarity about this problem, about what it means to be white. That's another thing, uh, because I think he was citing different victims of white supremacy throughout the program. That's something I would really encourage folks to be uh, mindful of. I've called whites out on the program when they've done that before. I didn't today, but I definitely uh, made note of it uh, to make sure that I mentioned that I I think that uh, not only is happening on his blog, but I think some of that uh, happened during the course of the discussion today as well. Um, I will stop there uh, to uh, allow folks Uh, to share any observations or thoughts that they have. Uh, The only other suggestion that I will give out, uh, and it's definitely connected, whites are not ignorant about racism. I know that is a very uh, appealing idea that there is a lot vested in that. Uh, That whites talk about this all the time. You'll see article after article uh, where white people and many victims are submitting that this is the problem, that white people are are just not aware. They're just not informed. We just need to get them enough literature. And if we all go to the white privilege conference, you know, we'll take care of this. We'll get them up to speed on what's going on. And that is nonsense of the highest order. On that basis, uh, when you see whites like Mr. Dalton or any of these other whites, it's not our job to give them information. Uh, And I say that I saw Mr. Dalton sharing, you know, whatever on Twitter and other spaces online uh, and folks who appear to be non white people uh, were commenting on what he said and, you know, quoting different books. Oh, yeah, that's I would not do any of that. If anything, I would ask questions uh, about what he's saying to investigate if it's accurate, if he's being truthful, he or she, if it's a white person, if they're being truthful. Uh, and then to just get more details, if they are giving out truthful, constructive information, to just try to get more details about what they're saying that I can share with other people, help my understanding of white supremacy, racism, and how we go about solving this problem, and then to try to pass that on to other non-white people. I'm not trying to give them uh, any information, more books that they can go read and film, so they can just get stronger and have even more reference points to go out and confuse other non-white people who think, oh, this white person is down. Look how much... That I I just cannot encourage that enough. Uh, We're not trying to share, aid, assist whites in any way, shape or form. We should really desist uh, with that habit uh, of trying to reference and point out uh, other material. Even if you're just sharing it as, oh, yeah, that, you know, was in such and such. Even that is totally unnecessary. I mean, really to have in mind, I am talking if it's a white person, I'm talking to an enemy of black people. How do I function if I'm talking to someone that is an enemy of black people to really have that in the forefront? Because I think that's something that all of us, myself included, kind of slip on that at times and talk as though, you know, this person is cool. This person is down or at least indifferent uh, to all of this, if not an out and out active participant. Uh, That's something that I definitely want to encourage and hope is manifested in people who listen to and and see some value uh, in the context of white supremacy. That said, uh, we will hit the phone lines, uh, the folks who dialed in, uh, who have a hand up, uh, if y'all have am getting feedback from somebody's line, I don't know. Okay, it looks like it's corrected. Yeah. If you have uh, comments that you uh, wanted to share, you can feel free to chime in. I will say uh, the person who uh, said that they accidentally put their hand up, uh, folks have said it's so convoluted to even get your hand up when calling into the program because you have to press star six and then one. That is uh, I'm not sure how you. accidentally hit star six and one but right on no no apologies needed uh the folks who dialed in with the hand up your line should be open uh i will go to uh 0586 just to check in to see if you had any comments you wanted to share because i don't think you were able to ask a question to mr dalton
12: um yeah for i yeah well i I had called
2: in, and so normally when I call in, I immediately press star six one so yeah, so I'm sorry about that um but i'll I'll have to listen to the archives because I, I I don't know what his what the premise you know of the the, the conversation or discussion was, so yeah, yeah, so yeah, okay, thank
0: you, mm hmm Gus, what was the name of that book um, you cited uh, about the Underground Railroad?
4: Gateway to Freedom, uh, Eric Foner, uh, F-O-N-E-R, Eric Foner, Gateway to Freedom. Might be heard? Yes, sir, uh, Mr. Smith. Black journalist, uh, just quickly, black journalist uh, played a prominent role there as well. It's mentioned in his book, uh, Black Journalist, 19th Century uh, black journalists in addition to uh, Frederick Douglass. Uh, but yes, we can hear you, Mr. Thomas.
1: How are you, sir? Um, how's everyone tonight? Um, I would like to say um, guys did a great job in asking questions um, to the guy. Um, the gentleman who went down the list uh, with the prisoner award, that was excellent, and the lady who came in after him. And um, of course, um, you know, I wanted to say uh, yeah, as I've written you several times, Gus. Um, call from Alabama is like one of my favorite callers. He's helped me understand the system more, and I just wanted to let him know that you know, like he's really, you know, listening to him over the years. And his logic and the way he asks the questions has really helped my development. You know, as far as understanding the system. I had a question for you though, Gus. Um, uh, I'll be quick. Um. I mean, you always say that you think we can solve the problem of white supremacy, and I can't, I just, I just don't see how, because um, I agree with you when you say white people are the problem, and I also agree when you say that um, white people are not interested in solving the problem, and white people are not confused, in fact, they're dedicated to practice racism, subjugate, you know, I just don't see them ever stopping, and I don't see us getting out of this problem of racism, white supremacy, unless white people give up power you know or, or, or somehow we take it from them and i don't see us have in a position to do that so i just just want to know why are you so like um optimistic
4: uh well i mean if uh if you don't think this problem can be solved then you know it's no purpose to in this radio program we can all just go uh find our narcotic of choice and uh you know do what these white people say and be quiet <laughs> like if uh you know if that's if that's the and I mean a whole lot of people oh, let me just say deal. this real quick I am uh-huh, sorry I, uh, no no not an issue uh just number 1 the problem is so daunting that I I totally understand that uh in terms of people thinking that they don't they don't see how this can be resolved uh I see that myself at times I mean it is gargantuan uh in terms of what we're dealing with and uh, just in terms of them being dedicated, not ignorant, informed and us being uh, confused and trying to figure all this out. I mean, it's, it's massive what we're talking about trying to deal with. But even within all that, I absolutely think it, I go back to something I reference all the time uh, in Dr. Kenneth O'Reilly's book where they talked about black people who had thirty dollars in the bank where even they were being subjected to coin pro. That right there, even though, yeah, I mean, that's that's Mm -hmm. massive, like in terms of what whites are doing. But that right there, to me, smacks of their major weaknesses to all of this. If you have to go around and snoop on and spy on and surveil black people that have thirty dollars in the bank, that right there lets me know that even white people think this system can be totally eviscerated. If you have to go and spy on black people who have $30, the fact that black people who had a radio program, not a whole lot of money, not even a lot of listeners had white people doing the same thing and consistently working against the radio program and throwing us off the air repeatedly. That right there lets me know even white people think, yes, this system could be taken apart. So I totally believe that this system was not always here. That is a part of how the system stays in place. White people trying to convince us that, you know, it's nothing can be done about this. It can't be solved. Black people aren't going to be able to get our act together. I absolutely think uh, that that can and will happen. Uh, I totally understand uh, in terms of you saying it doesn't, doesn't look like it, but just uh, even, I would say I'll, I can end here. Minister Malcolm X, great illustration of the capacity for black people to make, radical, enormous change in a short period of time. We're not talking about someone who lived to be 80 or what have you and and took 50 years to make this transition in their life. Uh, And he's not the only one, just since we're doing the book study tomorrow. That right there is a sterling illustration that black people that are doing the worst, stealing, robbing, mistreating other black people can make a drastic change in the way that they function, the way that they think, and make enormous contributions to solve this problem. So that's how I would answer it.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that answer. I didn't think of it from that perspective, but yeah, I mean, um, he was in jail, and um, uh, his co- brothers and all his family—they changed everything, you know—and he changed too. And um, uh, you know, there was a positive movement going, so I definitely agree with that. And uh, my last question is um, I was using these headphones. I just want to know, could you hear me as clear as when I'm on the phone, like, or is is it like a some type of like speaker type sound?
4: Uh, off top. I would say I don't really notice a di- like I didn't it didn't sound distorted or like there was a problem or the volume was was too high or too low like uh, not not saying I have like an immediate recall of how you sounded the last time you called in with the, I guess the way that you normally dial the program but I don't it's not a it's not a problem uh, it's no problem with the audio oh, okay. I don't I don't really notice a difference. All right, thank you, mm-hmm. and i on Thank you. Mm-hmm. Can I be heard? Yes, sir.
9: Yeah, one of the things I noticed about this guest is that he, like like Tim Wise, he uses a lot of words to answer simple questions, and the questions that I was asking him really required a yes or a no answer, some of them, and I think that, that that's definitely one of the ways that um, white people practice racism because at some points I was just. Drifting off and not really listening to him because he was just talking and talking and talking. And I noticed that when people don't really want to answer a question, they would use a lot of words to get the person to stop listening to them. And that's definitely what the guest did tonight. And I think uh, the caller from Alabama brought that up also.
4: Heard. Yes, sir.
8: Oh, okay, I thought you had me on mute. Uh, yes, uh, I, uh, appreciate, uh, having, uh, white people on because it, it kind of like gives me practice on communicating with, uh, white people, uh, in general, uh, to be able to uh, kind of like uh, sharpen my uh, dialogue uh, uh, to be a, a better attempt at counter-racist. Uh, once again, this, this is another white person who, uh, uh, when challenged, uh, is able to uh, tail in uh, the idea of being very deceptive. Uh, normally, when you when you uh, go to the subject of sex, is when they start breaking down. Uh, even even those who are like himself, who uh, have this uh, 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 high understanding of articulating racism, white supremacy, when it comes to the sex. That uh, activity is when they start revealing their racist behavior and uh, that's, that's really the only reason why I go go there to that subject is to be able to reveal that uh, it's either is either confused or pretend confused confuse uh, understanding or uh, something like uh, what he was saying uh, saying uh, that uh, you can be an adult. And a uh, victim of racism at the same time, and i'm just trying to I'm trying to figure out well, well how can you be and, uh, adults don't allow uh, themselves to be subject to racism or And uh, so uh, that was uh, uh, pretty pretty much uh, what uh, my observation is and uh i I appreciate the idea of having white people on because it helps me out and it should help uh, the other uh listeners out also when you have a white person on 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 the dialogue and how how we can sharpen our uh, counter-racist uh
4: dialogue thank you can i be
12: heard
4: yes ma'am um good
12: evening gus and, and listeners I have a question. It was the guy who asked um, the guest about the adult relationship versus white supremacy. That's my first question. I don't know where he was getting with that. Maybe you can help me out. And also, it seems like when he said there was a comparison of uh, Franklin and, I guess, Sally Hemings, isn't it, that there was, he said, we can't compare them because there was consent involved, and did everybody just go quiet or, or what? No one gave any, I don't know, maybe I, I missed it. I probably went, went into another room or something. But I, I don't know what the feedback to when he said it was consensual. I don't know if the guy gave a rebuttal, whoever asked that question in relationship to that. So that made the relationship different as if, you know, Franklin could go ahead and just Exercise power over her because she could not say no because she was indeed a slave. But nowadays, the fact that even when he was talking about his relationship to consensual adults, so she had consent, and it's not like I'm making her do this. So I just want to know what your thoughts on it, and I'll mute my line. Thank you.
4: The I don't is the caller here who was asking about uh, was that you talking about the caller? Uh firefighter, retired firefighter, wasn't that you that was asking about uh, an adult? Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I brought up the
8: uh, the subject of Thomas Jefferson uh, to to juxtapose it to uh, what he was doing himself, or what's the difference between you and Thomas Jefferson? You know, based on what my my thought was, uh, and uh, I had to uh, steer him into. Uh, uh, the subject matter uh, uh, to have him to admit that uh, Thomas Jefferson was, he a and, uh, well, the he was a racist and well in that case if he was a racist and he was having sex with, uh, with a non-white person uh, then what's the difference between himself and you? And uh, he mentioned about something about a consenting adult quote unquote and I asked him well, what do you mean when you say you're an adult? And he mentioned something about age He mentioned something about age. I think he said. I know he said something about age, and he said uh, something else added on to it, and and which didn't make any sense. And then I asked him, uh, "Well, uh, can you be an adult and a victim of racism, a victim of white supremacy at the same time?" And I think he said yes. And I asked him, well, how, how can you be? And he it, it didn't make much sense on how he explained that, if he did explain it. I don't, I don't recall him explaining it. Can I? Go ahead, ma'am.
12: I'm sorry. i just like to know, what answer were you looking to get out of him? I, I, I just didn't follow the question, because when I think of an adult, help me out, listeners, I'm thinking of someone of the age of consent. And then you talked about white supremacy. So I, I don't. I'm just trying to follow up your line of logic. Where were you headed? Because I, I just kind of felt it was going into tangents. So what were you really looking for, sir, to to get out of that? Can you help me with that, please?
8: What was I looking for? Yeah. I was looking for him to uh, to to uh, state that uh, there's nothing between himself and what he's doing and what Thomas Jefferson is doing, which is practicing racism. When you're having sex under the under the context global context of racism, white supremacy, white people having sex with non-white people, that's a, that's a crime. That's a crime. It doesn't matter if it happened in 1776 or 2015. It doesn't matter. There's nothing. There's nothing that has changed significantly Has changed as, as far as the power relationship, the ability of white people to practice racism. There's nothing that's changed some, from the time of Thomas Jefferson to the time of whatever that uh, White Bell's name is. I forgot what his name is. There's nothing, re- there's nothing really changed. The only thing that may have changed is his tactics and strategies on how to maintain a system of racist white supremacy. But
4: white supremacy is still here.
12: That's
4: the true one. Would, would you agree with that, Gus? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the same power dynamic is in place. Uh, that was a point that I made on my blog yesterday. Uh, the only thing I would add in terms of uh, the adult aspect, uh, Mr. Neely Fuller Jr., in his code book, uh, his recommendation is that uh, we not call other black people, non white people on the whole, men and women. Because a man, a woman, is not subject to white supremacy. You cannot be an adult. You can't be a man, a woman, and be subject to racism, white supremacy. Uh, And that's why on this program, I consistently refer to black males, black females, non white males, non white females. The only people that I reference as man, woman, are white. Uh, They are the only ones who qualify under the system of white supremacy. Uh, And I think. Uh, Pam and I think Renithia Tate, several other folks who we talked about the sexual dynamic have said that it's it's really like child abuse uh, where whites are taking advantage of a non-white person who is confused and functioning in a childlike state under the system of white supremacy, that that's the way that we should look at these arrangements. Uh, even the quick contradiction uh, where he said that, yes, non-white people should be suspicious of every single white person, including him. But then this non-white person, this victim that he's in a tragic arrangement with, she should not be suspicious of him for some bizarre reason that he did not articulate. Uh, But just you can think about it uh, since everyone is on Selma and what was happening 50 years ago. You had folks while I'm I'm finishing uh, Tavis Smiley's biography on uh, Dr. King, Death of a King, where he talks about the last year of his life. And he talks about him going to Memphis uh, for the sanitation, black sanitation workers. And they're walking around with signs that say, I am a man. And you see the exact same thing 50 years later with black people, with all the Black Lives Matter and everything with signs. I am a man. I am a woman. If you were really an adult, if you were really a man, there would be no reason for you to be stomping around in the street with a sign saying, I'm a man. You're not going to treat me this way. That's the logic. And I think that's what he was getting at with saying, would an adult be subject to racism, white supremacy? My answer, and I think codified logic, Mr. Fuller states, the answer is no, you cannot be an adult and subject to white supremacy.
12: Thank you very much.
4: I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Can I say one more thing? Mhm. Mm-hmm. Even even during his discourse, when
8: I started uh, questioning him, he mentioned that he never said that he had sex with a non-white person. He mentioned that sometimes during the discourse, all of a sudden, I, I remember him admitting that he, when you when you asked him that he did have sex with a non-white person, and then when I started questioning him on it, he said, "Well, I never did say I had sex with a with a non-white person." You know, so he, he. In other words, in other words, once again, a white person being deceptive, who was getting found out, and then starts start backpedaling on on the subject matter because they are very much aware on how that harms them. In my opinion, I, I think they're very much aware of how that harms them, especially someone who articulates racism, white supremacy, like he does. Yeah, you know, and uh, so that, that was that was another observation that I I had uh, uh, during doing his discourse that he he up and all of a sudden don't want to say what well, I never did say I had sex with a, i had sex with, with, with a non white person <laughs> and and just a few minutes before he he, had, he admitted
4: that to you. <laughs> Hello, may I be hurt? Yes, sir. Yeah, I I had
11: asked him that line of questions, and, and uh, I wanted to ask him one more question, and that was in reference to when he said he was in class in, I think, South or Africa. And he was saying that uh, he was hoping that his, his classmates would have opened up more about racism and the racism that they practice. And I was it was interesting to me because he said... Uh, but he wasn't racist. But, you know, basically, he wasn't. Pra- he doesn't practice racism. So I was going to ask him, if that's true, what were you hoping to offer, along with your classmates, about racism, if you don't practice racism? Mm. And and it sounded like he he didn't necessarily uh, contradict himself a lot. In terms of what he stated, but when he would answer our questions, he would, his answers would contradict himself.
8: And that's all. Oh, there was one more damaging, very, very damaging thing, and and this is it's typical of of uh, white people who pretend to be counter racist when asked about about where he spends his time with white people or non white people. He says he spent very little time around white people. Well, where's the war at? The war is with with white people. You should he should be doing everything he can, even at the risk of his own life, into into disrupting and or destroying the system of racial white privilege. Logic tells me that. Hanging around us I mean White people have us so screwed up that a white person that walks into our church would disrupt the entire church service. Just one white person, don't have to say anything, just walking in there, and and, and they 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 get they get a tremendous amount of juice out of out of that type of uh, relationship that they have with all white people, and it makes it makes it makes them it makes them it boosts them up like kings and queens. You know, that, that, that I, I I did I did uh, 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 basically question him in, in, in that light, and he did say he did say something about that they embrace him, that they embrace him, and I I, I know exactly what he's talking about. Anyway.
5: Because
12: this is the last question, um, it was a twofold question. I thought the guest was um, very on point. I think he has listened to this program a lot. I just had that feeling. Every answer that he gave was like he didn't want any confrontation. It's almost like he knew your program from beginning to end because I just I just kind of felt that he has listened to your program many times and probably knows how you know how we may ask questions because he was just too. It was nothing. I didn't see any really controversy with him and it kind of tripped me up when you said, "Oh well, you." You know, they're very they're, they're masters of the game. So that's just the way I felt it. This was something just wasn't right there. I don't know. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Gus, mm-hmm.
4: did he uh, confess to knowing about the cows? Uh, nobody asked him if he'd heard the program before.
0: Um, like in y'all, in, in you guys' contact, he he never said he knew who you were?
4: Uh, Nope.
5: Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. I want to suggest to the, um, since we're talking about um, uh, quote-unquote sex um, and uh, who's consenting and, you know, who's not and all of that, um, the 1952 Florida case of um, Miss Ruby McCollum, M-C-C-O-L-L-U-M, and what was called uh, writes, uh, paramour rights, P-A-R-A-M-O-U-R rights, where whether a black woman was married or not married, uh, a white man could force her, even though she had a husband, uh, to bear his children. Um, and Ms. McCollum shot and killed her rapist. Uh, paramour rights, uh, another word for it is sex slavery. And um, just read up on her case, Um, Zora Neale Hurston, she covered the case. um, And what they did to her, it it was tragic. Um, They uh, put her in an institution, said she was crazy, you know, so on and so forth. Um, And she was made to bear his children. And paramour rights wasn't just about the white man having, quote, unquote, the right to have sex with the black woman, but bearing children with him. And I think that's very interesting in them, because we hear so much about white people not wanting uh, their children uh, that they had with their victims, but this was specifically about them impregnating the black female. And this was 1952, not 1752. So I just wanted to put that out there.
0: Has anybody ever heard of a uh, prima nocta? Uh, it was like a, anybody on the line?
4: Mm-mm. You Gus? No, sir.
0: Uh, uh, I was gonna go in on it, but uh, I think it was like it was like a law in in, in England or something like that. Like where the um, the Lord could, you know, the day of the wedding, he, the Lord was allowed to, was was given the uh, uh, right to sleep with, you know, have sex with the wife before the, the husband. And it was called, it was a law called, uh, I think it was called Prima, Prima Nocta. Prima Nocta. But I think
10: of, on that movie, uh, what that was, Braveheart, they they showed a scene of what you were talking about, I believe, William Wallace.
0: I've never seen Braveheart before, but uh, uh, it was England, England suppressing somebody. But I'm not sure I've never seen it, but um, yeah,
10: it was all uh, England. Anyway, i think I think we while was Scotland I could be wrong though i don't I'm not sure
5: yeah, and that's where the word the words paramour rights originate from um over in York,
0: you know another thing you know something that came to my mind, Napster, for some reason just came to my because I was just reading about all these you know just reading something about, it. so um, anyway, um Napster. You know, um, you know it was a big deal when that came out, you know, kind of shut down the uh, the uh you know changed change the game as far as uh music stores and whatnot, but his friends called him Napster because because his hair was n- so called nappy, so that's why he named his site Napster, and so I was just thinking like he got that pick from mm-hmm. his friend. You know, white people amongst each other, they always looking out for who might have a little, you know, who don't look, who might not be, who might be passing, you know what I'm saying? And they make jokes amongst each other like, oh, your hair look." you know, so it just, it just, uh, I don't know, I just thought of that, man, you know what I'm saying? It just came to my mind, like, they're very, white people are sophisticated, man, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, with their, you know, how, how, just, just, just with the whole, just, even, 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 what was that? You know, I don't know if you guys have talked about it already, but the bus, um, whatever they were they were chanting, "No uh you know, for uh, the one fraternity or whatever, like, um, that kind of stuff. You know, rallying the troops and like that. Like, yo, that was that man. That was. That's what they do you know what I'm saying that wasn't like no game you know what I'm saying that was that was basically they were clapping their hands and 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 singing stuff like that man that's it, that's hip it's hypnosis involved in that is' it's, it's a lot of um it's a lot of stimulus and a lot of a lot of technique that'll get you to remember and think you know uh that was you right there and that's what they do man you know what I'm saying we are gonna have to educate ourselves if we want to uh dismantle this system because White people are just like the the black encyclopedia that that that's being uh, talked about on the cows that you know people can participate in. White people got stuff like that, like you know, apps. I, I was reading something about a pocket. Uh, they call it a pocket pocket anthropologist. You know what I'm saying? They're graduating anthropologists like it ain't nothing, man. They're graduating uh, these 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 these, these robotic stu. I mean, it's it's gonna take more than just uh uh, uh you know your imagination or your um you know sign of video to 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 get on get on point man to dismantling this uh this system you gotta know you gotta you gotta study study white people like they study us read you feel what i'm saying because you know it, they 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 doing they doing they think it ain't stopping that 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 pocket anthropologist, man, they can what they do, they send out students. Any school you want that has an anthropology course or whatever, they send their students out and anything they students find out, some of the stuff that they were talking that they were saying, is something so minute. Oh, they use this type of slang in Ohio. They use you know, like they studying us and then they put it in the pocket anthropologist and send it straight back to the university so they can put it in, you know, so they can log that information.
5: Yeah, it, it, this is the it kind of stuff they're doing. Mm-hmm. It shows their devotion, too, because them singing nigger songs, I mean, that, that's centuries. They've been doing that for centuries. It's like, you know, their version of the Negro spirituals, you know. It, and I, I think of devotion from a, a theology standpoint, a religious standpoint, you know. It, it, it's their religion, you know, it's it's is what they believe in. These are, they're old spirituals.
0: They believe in what they practice what they preach. hmm. Hello? Hello?
4: Go ahead, Shani.
2: Oh. Um in this is actually is not in re, in regards to the guests that was on the show, this is actually in regards to what you guys are just talking about, the whole fraternity situation. I was actually watching the news yesterday, uh, CNN, with my dad, and there was a black male that came on there. He's part of the New York Civil Rights Coalition, and they asked his opinion about the situation, and he said that it wasn't justified for the school to expel. uh, How many people got expelled? Was it the whole fraternity, or was it just the one person? Just two people.
4: Just two people so far.
2: Yeah, he said that it wasn't justified. And, of course, they're like, well, why would you say that? And he's like, well, that's no different than if it was a whole bunch of black dudes on the bus calling, you know, white people crackers. So I'm just like, wow. Okay. And then there's another black male. sitting so next to him looking at him like he's crazy. And then, uh, was it, Anderson Cooper is like, this, I, I, my dad's like, who's this Uncle Tom? I was like, oh, God. So it was... It was <laughs>
4: Uh that, that that I can't even comment on that. Just cowbell that and <laughs> go ahead, Shani.
2: Yes. Yeah. So after that happened, then they um done I think there was they were talking about on CNN they talked about that the old lady. I don't know what was up with that. She I guess she she's part of the fraternity or something.
3: Whatever the and mom.
2: they had the Yeah, uh I am like, really? I was like, oh, my God, I can't deal. But some coworkers at my job were talking about it today. So I had my headphones on, but I turned the volume down so I could hear everything, what they were saying, of course. And they are talking about it. They were saying the phrase. I'm like, why are they talking about this right now? And they know there's only two black people that work in the department, me and this other black male. So uh, the white guy's like, oh, I, I don't see what the issue is. And I'm like, oh, my God. So then... So then, um, the Spanish girl is like, "Well, I, I guess. I mean, I guess it's wrong, but you know, like, like it wouldn't be no different if it was black people doing the same thing, calling white people crackers or. But in my head, I'm like, there's a history. There, there is a difference. If I was to call a white dude a cracker, nothing's going to happen to him. Like, I'm. I didn't, I didn't say anything to her. I just, you know, because you know, I'm at work. I'm a plantation, of course. I'm um, just, you know, just looking at everything that they're saying. And they're just making comments and joking about it like it's just nothing. And this white, and it's funny, this white male asked this Spanish girl about it. And she's like, well, I would feel offended for someone call me a cracker. He's like, but you're not white. That's what he said to her. I was like, aha. And she's Puerto Rican. She's like, oh, I'm white. He's like, you're not white. He's like, yes, I, I am. He's like, no, you're not. So why would you say that? I was like, you're Spanish. You're not white. He's like, yes, I am. i was like, okay, people. Let's go back to work. So then Eric said, okay, oh, we just, like, stop talking about this? Like, I don't want to, like, cause any problems. Yeah, you don't want us two black people to all of a sudden hear what the hell you're talking about and then have a say. Because there's other black people in the area, and they didn't want other black people to hear. So then they stopped talking about it.
4: That's codification right there. That happens frequently. Uh we don't want them uh the Negroes to uh become too enlightened. We had better reserve this for when we are in an exclusively white space. Um there were several reports, and the mail caller who spoke up, you'll get the last word in before we conclude. But um the Washington Post, they had two articles. Uh, that were, I think, in the paper. Yet, well, I don't know if it's in the physical paper uh, when it was, but it was online yesterday, where they were saying the same thing that the University of Oklahoma violated the constitutional rights of those two uh, racist students by expelling them, uh, and that everybody is guaranteed the right to say whatever they want to say, and they couldn't kick them out for exclusively making those statements. Uh, and it was, for me, it was interesting because. NPR did a story or several now uh, on all of this and they had a legal scholar from St. Louis come on the program and he said the exact opposite. He said uh, that this is not a constitutional issue at all. Um, that nobody has a constitutional right that guarantees them access as a student or faculty member of a university, even a public university, and that uh, universities, they are allowed uh, the discretion to have a code of conduct uh, that says how people are supposed to function uh, in terms of the environment that they want to create uh, and that if you're doing things that are counter to the environment, the academic and learning environment that they want to nourish uh that they do have the right to you know excuse you from being a student or faculty member or what have you so i wrote him i sent him both of the articles at the washington post i guess i can put those online if folks want to check them but i sent him both the articles uh from the washington post where they took the exact opposite view uh to see what he said and he wrote me back he said his name is uh hansford uh professor hansford uh he's at st louis university uh where incidentally this same uh Frat uh, Sigma Alpha Epsilon also got kicked off of their camp where they didn't get kicked off, but they got in trouble for similar racist conduct. Anyway, uh, so Professor Hansard, he wrote back, he said, thanks for the article. It's a complicated question and scholars have strong arguments on both sides. My view, which I described on the radio, is that schools are allowed to enforce codes of conduct for their schools, particularly as it's related to what is arguably Hate speech. Uh, I still hold to that. I can't imagine a First Amendment that allows students to be disruptive, verbally demeaning each other. And there's nothing that teachers or school leaders can do to discipline them on free speech grounds. I'm not sure if that came across in the audio excerpt of my interview. The First Amendment is complex and it's hard to convey a clear understanding of it in a 30-second sound light. Uh His name, again, is Justin Hansford. I'll probably play that clip just because they had a lot of other interesting sure. little tidbits uh, on the compensatory call-in, but uh, I do find it very interesting. I even was talking to Dr. Rossian, and I said I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they end up getting a settlement. Like, two years down the road after mm-hmm. this has died down, they end up getting some sign of uh, financial settlement that, oh, man, they were victimized and poor thi-. Like, even if you uh, – there's a different Washington Post article where they – put the apologies they give the names of the students and they give the apologies uh from the parents of the students and they talk about uh how they raised them to be inclusive and they have black friends and they're definitely not racist and they made a dumb mistake and they uh, they can't stay in their house right now because they're getting all these threats and mm. people are calling the names on social media so they already got the victim thing going and everything It's uh, I, I just wouldn't be surprised at all if this comes out like five years down the road where there's a special and they are the victims and they have been mm-hmm. persecuted and my life is just horrible and it's been so bad and <laughs> white people are white genocide uh, but the male Caller who said he had something to say, you can get the final word in before we uh, ride out.
8: Oh,
1: definitely. Um, I was just going to say I, I was coming I was going to comment on what the gentleman had said about the the pocket dictionary and the technology. And I was going to say, you know, um, they're they're very well um, into the field of technology. You know, making the next iPhone, the next app. I mean, they're they're into the future, and we seem to go to school for social type service type positions, you know, and, and, you know, the money's in what they're doing. And um, I just had a, um, after what the lady just said, I just wanted to make a comment because I was um watching television last night. I know you don't like to talk about television, but I saw a white codification 101. I saw um, females arguing on a show called Mob Wives, and um, two, uh, a group of females was against one female. And um, they were arguing, it was their reunion show, and, um, you know, the, a female got up, one of the ones in the group, and they were all together, and she called that one female that was by herself that, that they have been getting on all season. So I heard um, they she called her a racist. And Vivica Fox was the, the mediator, so, you know, it was like, what? You know, so, you know, she's a racist, and she got up, I and mean, she kept saying it. And you saw how slowly but surely all those females that was with her started, slowly, the eyes started batting at her, you know, sit down, you know, get off of that, you know, let's talk about something else. And then, you know, I I can see River Curly like looking in her ear, time to go to commercial. And they came back from commercial and they started on another dialogue and she got up again and you're a racist and you can see how now all those females that was with her now against her, you know, like why are you back on that? And she has to now defend herself to them. You know, I got a black son and I take that stuff offensive. And, you know, once again, they went to commercial. <laughs> it was like, man, they just don't want to talk about it. But the codification, uh, that's not what we talk about in front of black people, especially in front of America that kicked in. And uh, that's all I wanted to say.
4: Right on. I'm sure there will be more uh, unfolding uh, with all of this. Um as well as the shooting in in Ferguson that I said on Facebook, I wish that we had not had a program today. That way I could have paid more attention to what's happening uh, with all of that and how that's playing out. But uh, definitely this is, this is also not a good week to not be paying attention uh, to the news, what's happening locally, nationally, globally. I can even uh, just a quick one that I found in, in constructing the report that I did. Uh, Gregory Johnson died. Gregory Johnson jr. Died in a white fraternity like SAE down at Oklahoma, uh, that all those whites that, in my view, embarrassing spectacle uh, with all those whites going down to Selma over the weekend, uh, two of the senators, Rob Portman and Jeff Sessions, these are both uh, white men, racist suspects, two of them that were down there, they were two of the 47 people that signed that letter uh, to Iran. Mm -hmm. Basically, my interpretation of it being, uh, look here, you all. Uh, now whatever deal you come to with this nigger president that is not worth toothpicks Uh, we can revoke that in a heartbeat and you might sign off on something with this nigger but when he's gone White people can revoke this and do whatever we want. So don't think that you got anything uh that's solid that we have to abide by just cause you and this nigga come to some sort of agreement. That was my interpretation uh of what they were doing, and I saw many other people who basically had the same conclusion uh with what this was all about. But I just I thought that was another fascinating element that they are down march against Selma on the Edmund Pettus Bridge on Saturday, and then by Monday Let's write this letter and get rid of this president let him know that he doesn't really have any power. I mean, he might be in the White House, but he is not in charge. Uh, That was just one element that stood out of many things that have gone on uh, this week that folks should be paying attention to. Uh, Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow. uh, Study session number five, Minister Malcolm X. We are kind of in the middle of uh, Chapter 10. Uh, where he is uh, going through the beginning of his transformation uh, while he's in greater confinement. But that's tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific Uh, compensatory call in on Saturday. Invest. If you think the program is constructive, racism hyphen notes dot blogspot.com racism hyphen notes dot com. listener supported counter racist radio. Uh, PayPal is in the top right corner. If you're not into PayPal, you can drop me uh, an email and we'll get you a physical mailing address. Uh, On that note, you can also I would encourage folks to uh, watch my BFF, Amy Goodman. Uh, They were down in Selma with the rest of the whites clowning. uh, But they interviewed Jeff Sessions, uh, this racist suspect who's one of the 47 signatures. Uh, He and they were asking him about uh, the Voting Rights Act. Uh, Since we're all down here to celebrate this and the 50 year anniversary and saying, hey, it it just got gutted. You know, are you all going to do something in Congress to try to change that? It's like, well, hey, 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 I think we've come a long way. We've made a lot of progress. And, you know, I don't don't think you have all the rampant racism that we're here to recognize that you had 50 years ago in the South. I I don't think that exists anymore. He went on to give his his spiel uh, and his answer. But you could definitely check that out. Uh, Senator Jeff Sessions. Anywho, uh, thanks for everyone tuning in. I hope it was a constructive investment of your Thursday evening. Uh, Again, sobriety would be best under conditions of white terrorism. It is one of the worst mistakes you can make and you're funding our oppressors. Uh, to be intoxicated behind the wheel even if you are a passenger in the vehicle i would even add if you are a pedestrian and you're just out and about if you're intoxicated you're really putting yourself in position where a lot of bad things can happen and it's ton- the Ferguson report that i keep referencing it was tons of that in there were white excuse me black passengers black pedestrians were hemmed up mistreated abused uh repeatedly under the oh he's under the influence oh He had some alcohol or whatever the case. He's staggering. Even if it's a pedestrian, we think he's intoxicated. And that became the pretense for going and abusing somebody and giving them a warrant and arrest and all this other nonsense. So it's just one of, in my view, one of the best aspects of codification that we can voluntarily institute. I don't have to consume any alcohol, any intoxicants under this system. I'll be lucid, clear thinking so that I can use my brain to the best of my ability to solve problems and protect my black life and other black people that I care about to the best of my ability, but that's just my recommendation. That's it. Creator. We ask that you help us remain patient with other black people. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time, we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Context of white supremacy. Signing up.
13: I'm a victim, your brother. Problem.
4: You're a
13: victim. I'm up.
4: a victim of
10: 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned.